Bring it in, and welcome back to another episode of the Read Option Pod. Early release this week, we're going to get this out before the game's tipped off in March Madness. We will be doing our third annual Read Option bracket fill-out thing on the pod. I don't know, we don't have a name for it. so A tradition unlike any other, that's what it is. Oh, we're almost there. Um, and obviously lots of NFL news to get to as well. So we're doing kind of similar to what we did on the last pod. Just now that the official start of the league year happened, we have more information, more signings, some huge, uh, news coming out, obviously in regards to one Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so we're going to cover all of that and we will also fill out our bracket at the end of the pod. So with that, the gang's all here, Vito, Scotty, how are you guys doing? It's been a couple days, which Honestly, it's just nice. I get to see you guys twice in the same week. Yeah. No, this is nice, man. It's it's exciting times to be a fan of anything. To be a sports fan right now, no matter how into sports or not into sports you are, if you're into it. You're digesting all this NFL information, feeling so good about your team or terrible, whatever. You're, you're feeling something about your team again, which is all we can ask for at this point in the year. And then we're rolling right into March Madness, so the gamblers, the DGens out there, it's it's a good time for for a lot of my favorite people. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a time to spend a lot of money. Uh, I do feel a certain way about my NFL team. Uh, we'll get into that, but uh, you know, it just I mean, come on, guys. Uh, but hey, look this this week is uh, is a holiday for me, really, Jeff. You've seen it firsthand. Uh, I've got the four TV set up. We'll throw that out on the social. Uh, Four TVs set up, one game on each of them for the first round, um, and and usually in the second round as well. Uh, and, and it's just from tip off on on at noon on Thursday till uh, till what something like uh, what, midnight or twelve thirty one a.m. on the East Coast on Friday. It's just basketball, 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 and minimal sleep. So uh, it's a holiday for me, um, and uh, a couple of beers will be consumed. I think. It's a bad day to be a Thursday I was gonna say it's, it's a bad, St. It's Patrick's a bad day too for the first round. So how yes. about that? <laughs> I was going to say this uh, Thursday through Saturday is uh, there's a it's three bad days to be a beer. It's a it's a bad stretch to be a beer because uh, there's going to be so many beers drank. Throwing some waters, everybody, because you don't yeah. want to be the guy who drinks too much on Thursday and has to rest all Friday and Saturday. Throw some waters in. Be yeah, drink drink responsibly. No, it's yeah. it's a bender. It's a full on bender. Benders can happen. Just. Keep water and then you'll be. Oh, okay. yeah. Just yeah. yeah. Just mix in, mix in <laughs> some waters. It'll be fun. It'll be good. Uh, all right. Let's dive into it. We got lots to get to here. Um, obviously, the biggest news of the day, uh, Aaron Rodgers goes on McAfee show. And it's it was everything we said on Wednesday or on, on Tuesday's pod. Like we said, this was going to happen. We talked about it Monday night. It's like it's just a matter of time. The deal hasn't officially been done yet. Uh, which is interesting. I guess we'll see how that works over the next uh, couple of weeks. I, but at this point, Rogers, he's doing what he always does, which is this, you know, going to make a big deal out of going up and saying something that we all already knew was kind of real. Like it's the circus around Aaron Rodgers is, is honestly just getting really tiring. But at this point, we know uh, he intends to sign with the New York Jets and to play for the New York Jets this upcoming year. We talked about the impact that's going to make. Uh, he gave them a list of demands, basically, 
which was crazy. It was like, hey, sign. Alan Lazard. It was Alan <laughs> Lazard, which they are they already have a deal in with Alan Lazard. Uh, Randall Cobb. Did I call that or what? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. And when you said that, like I thought you were joking. No. I, like, yeah. I, like I thought it was like, oh, that's a funny joke. And then no, it turned out to be completely real and absolute real life, which is I just, told you it's hilarious. It's the weirdest thing ever. Um, but that's that's the level of uh, I don't know what narcissism that involves Aaron Rodgers, which is like, yeah, if you want me to come, you also got to bring in uh, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb and Odell Beckham. So at least we know one, probably two of the three will end up going there. I don't see OBJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you have Garrett Wilson there. So like maybe be yeah. stoked on the guy who was just offensive rookie of the year. Um, but I don't know any, any reactions, obviously, like, again, it was on McAfee show. He goes on, we know it was going to come and it, mm-hmm. it can kind of played out exactly like we thought it would. Yeah, it did. I mean, I think, uh, you know, for this entire saga, to your point, anytime it drags on this long, we feel it. We, I feel like we felt this way about every veteran quarterback that ever does this this is this is um not maybe to this extent right but like with this star power that he is and, and the story in new york involved it's just non-stop every day it doesn't help that like greeny and rich eisen are jets fans so like you know what i mean pat mcafee is a connection i feel like every podcast or a lot of major sources of news this is all it's been every day no matter what and it's just like you know what maybe we should uh like if he wants to go there, what it seems to me is that the team says, okay, we're going to spend for you. We'll go get these guys. And they're still just working out how much they have to trade and draft capital to get them. I, I think number wise, I bet you everything is done money wise. I bet you it's just about that because they, if they're already out spending for them that, you know, it's, it's good to go on their side. They just need to figure out the trade and they figure, Hey, who do you want right now? Cause we're going to go get them while we can. Yeah, to me, it's, it's you know, obviously, you know what you're getting with Aaron Rodgers on the field. But, you know, you think about like this, this whole circus has been going on for the better part of three years with Aaron Rodgers. Right. And so I, I sort of hearken it to last year when uh, we, we were saying the same sort of things about about your quarterback, Vito, Russell Wilson. And then it comes out later. Uh, all the shit he did in in Seattle and, and the things he's that he's doing in Denver with the uh, with the the own office. Hey, open door policy. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You're the quarterback of the of the team. Like, of course, it's an open door policy. But by the way, why aren't you in the locker room? Uh, so I think all of this sort of stuff is going to start coming out about Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay and their relationship with the front office and the team and all of that um, is soon to follow. So. That what is what I would be concerned about as a Jets fan because we saw it play out once with the Broncos last uh, this past season, and you know I wouldn't be shocked if the, if it was a similar sort of situation with Aaron Rodgers in New York this year. But take that, Scotty, and think about like what Vito was like when we were on the pod. I remember exactly where it was almost a year ago. Oh yeah, it was a little <laughs> over a year ago. It was like this past week. We I was I remember I was at the beach house, and we did this pod when all this news broke. And and Vito, like you, you were ecstatic, right? I mean, like it's that way anytime. And you, you, and you should have been, yeah. yeah. And, but that's what I'm saying is like separate art God. from artists, <laughs> and, and then figure out like when when all this stuff comes out progressively throughout the off season, the rest of the off season, and the course of the season. Like, j- j- well, don't be look, shocked by what you hear. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's the thing. I don't think anybody will be shocked. It was shocking because. Russell, it was shocking with Russ because Russ had this perception about him that he was like this all-American boy. And and I remember thinking like, 
no, like he's not that like it, it, everything about Russ always felt disingenuous to me, but to most people like, yeah, perception is reality for most people. And not that I'm mm. like some genius. I just always felt like Russ kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Rogers for as much as he irks me, like you have to give him credit that the dude is at least himself. He's unapologetic. Yeah. If he's a dick, he's unapologetic about it, you know? And so I, there's no, at this point, after the going to a dark room for four days and uh, in pitch black where there's a bed and nothing else and he hangs out there is probably doing ayahuasca or some shit. Like there is DMT. no there yeah. is no story <laughs> about uh, Aaron Rodgers that would surprise me. Like you could tell me anything. You could tell me that like he has a side business where he like wrangles up like lost horses and gives them to orphans or some shit. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, probably he's weird. He probably does some weird shit. So, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of who he is, and that's kind of who he's going to be. Um, his message here, uh, he said on Pat McAfee, I made it clear my intention was to play and to play for the New York Jets, and I haven't been holding anything up. It's the compensation that the Packers are trying to get. The Packers want to move on and have le- and have let me know that in so many words. So essentially blaming the Packers and uh, then putting all of the onus on, they told me they don't want me here. Uh, and the reason the deal hasn't been hasn't gotten through is because of the compensation that the Packers want. Right. So in classic Aaron Rodgers forms, it's always someone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, that's just who he is now. Right. I mean, that's just kind of what we've grown to expect um, as a fan of the jets. You have to be excited. Like I, yeah. whether or not it's going to work out or not, I, I still don't. Again, I, I think they're a probably divisional round team. They might win the division, um, I mean, Buffalo is still really fucking hard to beat, man. And, and Miami's going to be good. Miami? Yeah. yeah. And you know that the, the Pats are still, I mean, the Pats are returning basically the same roster and they won what eight games this year. So they got Juju though. So, you know, and they got Bill O'Brien back, right? Yeah. Like they, they, got, they actually are going to have an offensive coordinator this year. So I think they're going to take a step up as well. Yeah. I, I think, I think the Patriots will be a pretty competitive team. So you're talking about a, one of the harder divisions in all of football. And you have a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers uh, with a team of a lot of young, impressionable players on it. And I, I'm including I'm the now backup quarterback. Who's the backup quarterback? Well, Zach Wilson, presumably. Oh, yeah. Unless he's duh. part of the trade. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, wait, Mike White went to Miami. I totally forgot Zach Wilson existed there for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just skeptical, honestly. Like, I just, again, could it work? Yeah, it absolutely could. Like, and and it could be fine. They could make a nice little run. I still don't think they're better than the Chiefs. I guess it gives you a fighting chance. Um, but yeah. I just, I don't know. I just think this is going to be a really weird year. I get why the it's, Jets are doing it, but I just I so where do you 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 add Rodgers in these pieces? Let's just for the sake of argument assume that this is a done deal. Everything that Aaron wants is going to happen. They get OBJ uh along with uh, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, all the other pieces that uh, that they want they're getting Brees Hall back, their defense we know is good. Where do you put the Jets with all of that in consideration in the AFC East and in the AFC at large? Like a number? Uh, like seed like number, yeah, like where do they finish wise? in the division uh, and, and where do you they're think prob- they finish in the AFC? They're probably one of the top wild card teams. I, I don't think they're going to win the division with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I would say they're probably going to be like that five, maybe the five seed, probably the six seed. I mean, like, look, the defense was good, but it also like they weren't great. Um, and I know it's kind of similar to like how your Broncos played last year, Vito, where it's like, man, if they could have just averaged like 21 points a game, with that defense. But 
I think last year was one of those years where everyone got really excited at how good the the Jets defense was, but in the context of how young they are, right? It's it's like, yes, no, the defense is really good. Sauce Gardner is amazing. Quentin Williams is amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. we know there's a lot of talent there, but they were also overperforming for their age. So we're not talking about, like, a defense that's, like, you know what? It's not 85 Bears level, you know? I don't even think it's as good as what, like, the Eagles defensive roster was last year. Um, right. That being said, that may not matter, right? I mean, you could still win you. a lot of games without it. But, like, I, I just think that defense was probably a little overhyped because they just arrived sooner than people were expecting. And then us and fans in the media, we all, like, blow – we all get super excited and we're like, oh, my God, here's this young defense. And, yeah. I, again, the numbers are good. They're a good defense. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know, man. I'm I, totally with you. Vito, your thoughts? I just think that this defense is – Great. I think they're better than good. I think that maybe I'm a little, I'm probably very high on their defense. Um, PFF had them ranked one after everything at the end of the regular season, no playoffs included. Um, but I think that for this team to have the hope of a quarterback after what they had last year, they had a quarterback in a press conference say when they scored three points that he didn't let the defense down. Like that's what you got there. Meanwhile, flip it, say what you want about Aaron Rodgers, but at least in the game when they get blown out early in the season two years ago, he just R-E-L-A-X, relax. It's going to be okay, right? Like the difference there is just like, hey, media, calm down. We'll handle this versus like, oh, I know it's not my fault. Nothing's on me. Like the the accountability and the the leadership difference there is huge. And just to have, I think, a leader of this team. I saw when Peyton came into to. Denver, we saw it when Tom Brady went to Tampa. I think sometimes when you have a good defense and you just need a solid leader on the offensive side, just that can get you so far. So I, Scotty, to your point, am going on a limb, and I think they get first in the NFC East. Interesting. You want a hot I take? I think that they're – I think the Buffalo Bills, unfortunately, are going to take a step back and cover all this later, but it, I think they're going to be up there. I think all of that – I think three of those teams, though, make the playoffs out of the NFC – or AFC East next year, though. You want a hot take? So I don't think they make the playoffs. Ooh, we're all over the place. I don't think they make the playoffs. I mean, Aaron Rodgers makes you better, but Miami got better on both ends. So look, Tariq Hill and, and Jalen Waddle, we know what we're getting there on offense. And then uh, we'll see what the quarterback situation brings. But you know what you're getting out of Tua, too. So that that is stability. And you have Vic Fangio coming in on the defensive side of the ball to coordinate as well. So I think that team took a bigger leap. I think the Bills, with all the restructuring they're doing, um, and granted, they lost Jermaine Edmonds, but I think they're they're they've proven that they can lose guys and, and gain guys on defense, and and still be better in some way. And I think Josh Allen and, and that offense take a step forward this year as well. We saw how good James Cook was in the back half of the season at running back. That's been their biggest problem. I think the Jets are maybe the third and potentially the fourth. I mean, best team in in this division right now. I I think because I mean, obviously the injury stuff with Tua is really important. Like Tua, Tua can get knocked out and, and be done for the year. He can miss several games. Like that roster is built to be really good, but your quarterback situation, it's stable in terms of like, you know what you're getting from Tua when he plays. The problem is you don't know if you're going to get yeah. Tua at all. <laughs> like, like we, we know what we get when he's there, but will we get him in any sort of variety? I, it's hard to say. I, I do agree with you, Vito. I do think the Bills are going to take a step back this year. I think that's a situation where like, hey, you guys were right there a couple of times. The frustration levels are building up. We've seen Stefan Diggs like vo- be very vocal with stuff, though he did restructure his deal. They added a piece on the offensive line, but they've lost 
two pieces. They did restructure uh, or give uh, an extension to Matt Milano, which is a big deal. They bring back Jordan Poyer today. That news came out. So that's helpful as well. Restructured Von Bell too. Yeah. Um, so I'm not Von Bell, Von Miller. Von Miller. Sorry. Von Miller. Um, yeah. And yeah, like you're getting Von Miller back, but you're also getting what a 33 year old Von Miller off of his second ACL tear. Like that's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what you're getting. You'll probably get a decent, a good player, but you're not getting Von Miller. And I didn't, it don't, didn't think they were getting Von Miller last year. You know, um, I, I think they're going to be a competitive team. And so I think the window for the jets are, is there. It's just so hard to try to predict what Aaron Rodgers is going to do to that team, like on and off the field, like on the field. If it's the Aaron Rodgers from the first 12 weeks of last year, it's an upgrade from what you had last year, but it's not enough to like be a one seed. You know, it's not, it maybe win the division. But again, if we think all the other teams on paper, at least got better or at least stayed the same from where they were a year ago in that division, the Jets definitely got better with Rodgers, but I don't know if they're getting the the back-to-back MVP Rodgers that we were talking about at the end of the 2021 season. I just, I, I don't know if I see that. Um, if they do get that version or something closer to, the, to that version than what we saw last year, then yeah, I, I think the window is there, but it's so hard to try to figure, to try to predict what that impact could be. And players are so much more malleable and also um, at the same time can be, but I think we we overestimate what locker room um, effects certain players can have. By all accounts, players seem to he's kind of like Kyrie Irving. Like players seem to like Aaron Rodgers, um, and there's going to be a lot of people that enjoy playing with him. And, and I'm sure guys like Garrett Wilson will be happy. And you you have Lazard, so you have someone there that you have chemistry with. Uh, and uh, there's some other pieces, but I don't. It's it's tough. Right. And that's ultimately here is like everything with Rogers has been a mystery because he wants people um, to think he's mysterious and this shadowy dark figure in a video game that no one can figure out who it is like. But at the same time, we're all like, no, we know who you are, but how are you going to play? If he was really good this past year, it'd be totally different. I also think conspiracy hat on for a second. He was so out on the Packers last year that, I'm not going to say he tanked, but I also wouldn't throw it past Aaron Rodgers to just not play his best football last year. I really wouldn't like, that's how weird this guy is. I mean, I think after coming back back to back MVPs, could there be a year where you maybe don't prepare as hard, right? Like that's it They're on game day. He's going to give everything he has, but like the prep is where games are won and lost. And that's what all the Eagles players will tell you from last year. That those are the best practices of their careers were in the playoffs leading and all that stuff. And they killed it up until Super Bowl. But like that, that's what matters. And, and to your point, I, I don't know the situation, you know, I don't want to speak for his mentality, but I've been in situations at work where you, you, we all have, where you go through a, a tough year or two or whatever. And you're like, man, I just need to, I just need to go in at eight and leave at four and just have a, a normal Same life for like punch, six yeah. months just to get just everything back. So yeah. who, who knows if that happened? Well, and if, if the, if the blood was really that bad with green Bay, you know, it, it's a human nature thing too, where you're just, when you're working in an environment that you're happy with, you're like, yeah, you know what? You know, if you have a boss, you really like, you're like, you know, what? I'll do that little extra thing. Cause you know, yeah. my boss is really good to me. You know, I'm happy here. I don't mind doing that little bit of extra work. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise and, it's like, but if you're no, unhappy, you. you're like, dude, I'm out. Like you said, Vito, I'm out. The second the clock hits five, see ya deuces, you know, 
I'll don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of mentality. Um, so yeah, I mean, that could be very possible. You come in here reunited with Hackett and, um, you know, the pieces and he could be re-energized. I, I think we see that all the time. The, the bigger question is how sustainable is that? Right. Like, like Favre, when he went to the jets was really good through eight weeks until he broke his foot. And then he was, you know, really seen play. I don't think we saw him jets uniform again. I think he retired or whatever, and then went to Minnesota the next year. Right. Cause I think he only did one year in, in New York. Mm. So, um, correct. Like how, how long does this reinvigoration last? Will he be the guy who's just constantly searching for another thing to find happiness, even though deep down, he just might not be that happy of a person. And it's an internal thing. Who knows? Like we're getting into like psychological territory here that like none of us know. And Rogers is a weird motherfucker. So it's even harder to try to figure that out. Uh, Ultimately, I think what we can all agree on is it does make the jets better. Even if it is the version of Rogers we saw last year and it'll be TBD to like, how this move impacts the jets, but they look like on the field, how it affects that locker room. It's going to be really, uh, really interesting. All right, let's move on to some of the other moves that we've seen here. Uh, the, I would say the next biggest one. And I mean, all, all these can be debated, but uh, Ezekiel Elliott released from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, something that I think we saw the tea leaves, you know, kind of forming there a little bit. I mean, that contract has been a disaster oh. for them. <laughs> For, I love since, a good tea leaf reading. Oh, baby. Since, <laughs> since the day they signed that contract, it was a mistake. And it's been haunting them now for three years. And, you know, hey, getting out of that, I think it's like 10 million in dead cap, but or they saved 10 million um, because he's a post June 1st designated cut or whatever, um, which I don't understand how all that works. Sometimes the NFL cut rules can just be so needlessly complicated i don't understand it um but they tagged tony pollard so you'll have tony pollard as the true bell cow guy there uh cowboys also went out and got stefan gilmore who honestly is not the stefan gilmore who won defensive player of the no, year and he that was a that was a reaction a to jalen ramsey getting uh going to miami for yeah. sure and look i mean nice veteran piece to have there yeah, but still he, great He's also the, you know, like the, the guy that you, you know, the name and you're like, the name excites you. You know, it's, it's, I think big cat said on part of my take today. It's like, you know, if he, if you could draft him in fantasy, even if he's five years past his prime, you'd be like, Oh, I know that guy. He was really good before I'll, yeah. I'll draft him, you know? Um, and you're like, I'll take a late Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm still convinced Larry Fitzgerald could come in and get 50 catches for like 700 yards, even though he hasn't played in like three years. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Good. I don't know reaction to Zeke. I mean, ultimately he made a lot of money. Um, and the, it, the Cowboys have nothing to show for it. So maybe this is a step in the right direction for them. Yeah. For I me, it. like it, 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 ESPN labeled at the end of an era and like I usually hate that terminology, especially when we're talking about sports, because like, especially in the last 10 years where we see players bouncing around uh, ad nauseum. Uh, but truly, I think this is the end of an era because like Jerry uh, promised that if you, and, it has, and this is why he gave him that contract is if we run our offense through Zeke, we'll be, we'll be one of the best teams in football. And Again, for a running back, that's not sustainable, right? We've seen yeah. it a countless times uh, to the point where a guy like Le'Veon Bell took took a year off and bet on himself and, and went to the Jets, and then his career flopped after that because he was like, well, I need to get make this sustainable, uh, elongate my career, make my money. Um, and, the, and the Cowboys did kind of the opposite of that with, uh, with, with Zeke. And so 
Uh, it truly is, I think, the end of an era. And, uh, I, you know, he hasn't looked the same on the field. Uh, the last time uh, he, you will have seen him in a Cowboys uniform, uh, as we predicted, uh, during the playoffs was under center. <laughs> <laughs> trying oh, to block yeah. for, I didn't even for think Jack about that. Prescott yeah. in the his divisional round snap, against the Niners. Yeah. His last snap as a cowboy. One of the worst plays of one of the worst plays of all time. It, it, end of an era, I, I I think is is an appropriate term in this context. I think he can still be effective, right? If he's part yeah. of a tandem backfield somewhere um that needs a running back. Um I, I think he can still be a really effective back and, and change um uh, sort of how how the offense operates uh in, in terms of of its flow through, uh, through, through a tandem back system. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we saw it this year. He was effective this year. Just not, mm-hmm. just not worth what they were paying him. It's funny. It's so poetic that that it was the last play because it's a perfect metaphor for what the Zeke contract was in the first place. Before the snap, we all said, what are you doing? This is not going to work. What is happening? which is exactly the reaction to most people when they gave him that massive contract. And then ultimately we saw what happened and the, he snaps the ball and it completely gets blown up. And, and that was essentially what it was, right? I mean, it was the, it's a perfect metaphor. It's absolutely poetic. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on the other side, I think when I look at this whole cowboy situation, I'd rather have Stefan Gilmore than Zeke. If you're talking about, you know what I mean? If you could choose yeah, Stefan Gilmore still, he was top 10 in PFF as a corner. He's a coverage guy. This is a response to the Eagles. This is like shit. We need someone to cover AJ Brown, who's at least big and like can can cover. That's that's the response, in my opinion. It's like, all right, Dallas is is not they've been in the driver's seat in the division or very close to the driver's seat, right? For a while. And clearly, uh, the Eagles run another tier above them. And now everything happens in the offseason. Teams kind of equal out, you know, Eagles lose players because you're really, really good. And you draft well. That's that's what happens. So uh, Dallas, on the other hand, is trying to make some moves and make sure that they can get it. Their other corner. So Stefan Gilmore was nine in PFF. The next highest corner was Trevon Diggs, 42. They had coverage issues and they need someone who can come in. So, I think it was a good move for the division. You you know you're ramping up against uh, Jalen, and it doesn't look like him and AJ Brown are going to go anywhere anytime soon. So you're going to have to deal with that for a while. I think yeah. they're gearing to gear up on the secondary. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I guess yeah. I mean, knowing what the tag and like the price tag was going to be for for Zeke this year, yeah, I, I would probably also rather have Stephon Gilmore. Um, they barely didn't have to pay much to get Stephon Gilmore. Um, so I, you know, it's probably worth it. Uh, I think Zeke's a better player at this time in their position, but at the same time, like, you know, it's tough because the Colts were so bad. Teams didn't have to really throw the ball on them a whole lot. Like, and the same thing with Travion Diggs. Like I've, I've made my case about Travion Diggs multiple times on this podcast. I think he's unbelievably overrated. I think he's, mm-hmm. he goes for the big play and then he also gets burnt two or three times a game. And oftentimes they're at really big moments. So, um, I, I agree with you from the Cowboys standpoint. It, it makes sense. Go get a veteran guy who has was a defensive player of the year at cornerback, which is incredibly yeah. difficult to do. Uh, but he's also, I mean, that was what? That was 2018 that he won that. So, you know, we're going on, you know, four years since that version of Stefan Diggs has, uh, or Stefan Diggs, that, um, uh, sorry, my brain uh, is mush right Stephane now. Stefan Gilmore. Stefan Gilmore. Thank you. I combined Stefan Diggs and Trayvon. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was impressive. I was going to say, yeah. totally by That guy plays. That guy is a good player. Yeah, he's yeah. a great player. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that, that <laughs> Stephon imagine? Diggs guy is pretty nice. Playing both sides um, of the ball. <laughs> so I can say this too, from as an, as an Eagles fan, like, Zeke was the scariest player in the NFL for a solid two or three years. Like for me as an Eagles fan, him and Saquon both when they came in were absolutely terrifying. Um, so I'm happy that Zeke's gone. Cause even though he's not the Zeke of old, like he's still the guy, man, that just like, he's just, it's the face. It's the stupid visor and it's the fucking eating thing that he does. Um, I'll be really curious to see where he ends up because I, I agree with you, what you were saying, Scotty, I think he's going to be really valuable player. Um, you got to put him in a place where, yeah, he's, he's going to probably take 15 handoffs a game. He's going to, you know, probably play 20 something snaps and he can be really valuable in that. But, um, yeah, he, he, you know, the whole franchise, you know, running back thing just isn't a thing. And, and, you know, Saquon and, and Christian McCaffrey are, uh, and and Derek Henry are, are the outliers, you know, everyone else you bring someone. I mean, even the Eagles, like Eagles, let miles Sanders walk evidently, uh, he has not signed anywhere yet, but they bring Rashad back Penny. <laughs> yeah, they bring back Boston Scott, and then they go and get Rashad Penny, and it's like, all right. I mean, I'm not stoked on it. That's but a when, great sign. I mean, when he's healthy, <laughs> when he's yeah. healthy, like he's been really good, and they got him super cheap. So it's like, all right, Rashad Penny, Boston Scott, and you know Kenny Gainwell. It's a nice little group of running backs there, and typically that's what's going to pay off for you in the long run. Uh, all right, another story that broke today. This one's really interesting because I think of the what it speaks about the Lamar Jackson situation. Um, the Ravens uh, gave the uh, right of first refusal tender on Tyler Huntley. Um, essentially, this means it's a tag. It's $2.627 million. Um, and if another team decides to match it, uh, after or he signs an offer sheet and the uh, Baltimore decides not to match it, they do not have to give up any compensation to sign him. So it's basically the same thing as um, what they signed Lamar Jackson to, except you don't get two first round picks. Uh, I'm very curious, right? Because if anything, this just ma- makes the whole situation with Baltimore that much more vague, right? Like I would expect well, like, hey, if I saw the Ravens and Tyler Huntley in a headline, I'm like, oh, this will tell me something about Lamar Jackson. And it doesn't. It keeps it just as vague yeah. as it was before. Well, it's a hedge, really, is what it is. That's. <laughs> I mean, but I don't know if it is, though, Scott, because, I mean, obviously the offer sheet is low, but, like, you know, Washington's a bad example because they signed Jacoby Brissett today. But if someone else came in and said, like, you know, like your Niners came in and said, hey, we'll give Tyler Huntley $5 million to come be our quarterback and, and run that system out there. That's double what the that's double what the tag is, and then Baltimore would be in a situation where they would have to match that five million dollars or pay more than that, and that's like not really in their budget right now when they're trying to work on Lamar Jackson. So I don't know if it's a hedge. I I don't really know what it means at all, other than we still have no inkling as to how close Baltimore and Lamar Jackson are to ever actually finding a deal, or if Lamar Jackson is close to finding a deal somewhere else. I, I was just shocked by all the Lamar stuff I saw over the last couple of days since our last pod about, you know, him tweeting out the contract he was offered the three years, 133 guaranteed. And, you know, it was a good, it was kind of funny. He said, like, and I need an agent to say no. Or so it was, it was kind of funny. Right. Cause I know a lot of criticisms hit him about that stuff. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about it even. And so like, it's just, I think, it's a little bit wild because if you have agents behind the scene doing all that stuff, you're probably not having to tweet out 
different contract issues. But hey, man, if this gets out there and gets like now teams know like, oh, that was offered and you said no, like more than that. Okay. Like just one fifty three years to it, you know, like what do we got to get to? So this whole situation is just strange. I, I am, uh, I am so much more enthralled with the Lamar situation than the Aaron Rodgers one, just because it's just, yeah, there's so much more nuance and we've seen the Rodgers thing happen. We know what's going to happen to your point. We just are waiting for it to happen. Lamar, no one knows what's going to happen. This is wild. Uh, and, and I don't know, I'm just excited to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to that point too, though, it's like the fact that he doesn't have an agent means that guys like Adam Schefter who tweet this stuff out. Right. And this was kind of the point of, of Lamar's tweet was, was sort of backtracking on, on Adam Schefter's original tweet uh, about Mm -hmm. the, uh, the supposed contract. And because Lamar doesn't have an agent, it's like, well, unless Adam Schefter is like literally DMing Lamar, which is not happening. Um, although he's DMing Aaron Rodgers, apparently. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's not happening. So, like, these sort of things kind of get worked out on Twitter like that a little bit. Uh, but it was telling, though, I, I think. And, and to Lamar's point, like, that's just another point in leverage for him, right, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, I, at this point, we just don't – we don't know anything. It's so weird. I mean, yeah, we know the contract he turned down, but we don't know who or if anyone has contacted and reached out to Lamar directly. Um, the Jets. We don't even know if it's the last contract that he turned down. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, he could have just lied too. I mean, who knows? Like, yeah. I, I, we who know? Maybe that wasn't the offer that the, the Ravens gave him. Maybe it was an offer another team gave. Like, it's just everything about this situation. And I'm, I'm with you 100, percent Vito. This is far more interesting than the Aaron Rodgers situation, which is just tiresome at this point. Um, But we're also talking about a 26-year-old former MVP who undoubtedly is one of the most dynamic players in the NFL that we've ever seen. Like, not just right now, like ever. He is that good. He is that, you know, game-changing type of a talent, which continues to make this weird limbo that they're living in that much worse and weirder. And I don't – I don't know, man. I just – I. I don't know the date uh, for how long teams can make an offer on him. I, I guess it's open-ended, right? I mean, until he signs the tag, it's as open-ending as it, as it gets. I think so. I, I don't know. You're right. Is there, if there's a deadline to on and off the roster spot, like does he have to have a spot on the roster to keep this deal? Yeah. Like do like, they have I to keep one of the 53? You know, it, this is, uh, it's unique well, and the, I don't know. The Ravens have to be waiting this out till draft. Day. Like if that's got to be your strategy, right? Like if we can wait, like weather this storm until draft day, then maybe we can capitalize. I think it goes past that if it needs to. Yeah. Well, but you think you think they wouldn't want the first two, like the two first rounders they're going to get to be like one of them this year? Well, they would, but I don't. I think that I don't know. We'll see what happens, man. Because it teams are more than willing to give up next year picks rather than this year picks. It's just always yeah. how GM, they're valued so much more in the chart. I could see oh, yeah. GMs being like, we'll give, we'll give you 24 and 25. I know they have to be this year, but like, I don't know how this works, man. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be weird. And again, I don't think the Tyler Huntley thing gives us any insight one way or another. Like, I, I don't think we know one way or another whether, um, you know, this, this right of first refusal tag thing, like, 
I mean, I just look, they gave Justice Hill a two-year, $4.5 million contract, Baltimore did. That's more than – or it's basically the same deal per year that they just gave to Tyler Huntley on this weird tender. So, I mean, who knows at this point? Who knows? I, what I will say is I'd be surprised if somebody didn't go out and try to nab Tyler Huntley. Pro bowler, Tyler Huntley. <laughs> yeah, so, nothing so else weird. for depth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about let's talk about my Eagles. Um Darius Slay has been released. Um really sad. I'm not gonna lie. Slay was a really awesome trade addition by Howie a couple years ago. He's been a stud, he's helped us a ton. Um, and that sucks. But the good news is they were able to keep um they were able to keep uh, James Bradbury, which was very, very uh, shocking to say the yeah, least. Yeah, they held um, on to him like he held on to uh, Juju. And it was – shut up. Too soon. Um, but also an incredibly uh, uh, team-friendly deal. Three years, $38 million, only $20 million guaranteed. Uh, so a three-year deal, you're getting back a guy who was first-team all-pro, cornerback, uh, pro bowler, Actually, no, he wasn't a pro bowler, which is weird. He was all pro, but wasn't a pro bowler. Yeah. Um, Slay was a pro bowler. So you're bringing him back. He was an awesome addition to the Eagles last year. He'll continue to. But then you lose that other side of the field. Uh, so that that idea is like after the season, we're in, in, in my mind thinking like, oh, the Eagles are going to go draft a cornerback at the beginning of the you know first round. Oh, wait, they're bringing Bradbury. Oh, I guess we don't have to do that. We can use that pick for something else. Oh, wait, no, actually, yeah, no, we are going to have to do it because they weren't able to get a deal done with Slay. Um also, breaking news, uh, Fletcher Cox returning to the Eagles on a one-year $10 million deal. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> he said uh, Eagles get the quote-unquote hometown discount because he turned down more lucrative deals. One year so for Brandon Graham. $10 million cool. for Fletcher Cox, though. I mean, I love Fletch, but he is he played better last year. I'll, I'll give him that than he did the first year under Gannon, but uh, that's a lot. I'm not loving some of the cap decisions so far by the Eagles. Uh, they also bring back Boston Scott. Um, ultimately, guys, I'm not. I'm not feeling great. I'm. I mean, I'm excited. They lost both linebackers. Kazir White signed with Arizona, so both linebackers. One. Uh, uh, both linebackers. Both. Well, one safety we know of. Still don't know about C.J. Garner Johnson. Uh, one of the starting cornerbacks. And uh, you're arguably your best interior defensive lineman from last year. Um, that's a lot to lose on a good defense. Now they're getting a new defensive coordinator in. It's going to be a, probably a slightly different system than I hope uh, than what they were running with uh, James Gannon um, or Jonathan Gannon. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do y'all, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I'm curious as to y'all's kind of reaction. Obviously, I feel like the national reactions are like, man, the Eagles are getting stripped for parts right now. There's still room for optimism. Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean. But now we're looking at, like, is Sean Bradley going to be the other starting linebacker? And like, Sean Bradley, the seven-footer out of BYU. <laughs> uh, Sean Bradley, the linebacker out of Temple. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I we mean, got the look, tournament on the brain. Sorry. And uh, look, you still have... Uh, you know, Hassan Reddick and you get BG back, but I don't know, man. I'm, I'm as of right now, I'm not feeling particularly optimistic. 
Uh, and the only thing that will change my mind is if they somehow are able to bring back CJ Gardner Johnson, but if they're giving 10 million to Fletch this year, um, I, I don't know, man. It depends on how much that's going to work against the cap too. I mean, if like 7 million of that is a signing bonus, then I'm in. But if it's like, yeah, yeah. it's an $8 million cap hit. Like that's a lot for a guy like Fletch. And, and again, a guy I love and has been a legend for the Eagles, but it that's is. a lot. That's my reaction too. That's a lot for Fletch, but Hey, he does a lot for that team, that building probably than we know. And, you know, if you have the cap towards the end and you're like, you know what, we, we'd rather have him Hargrave gone. We, we need to plug, but we need to just have a holdover while we, yeah. you know, as Davis develops, as they get someone else in the draft, it's not the end of the world. I, I, you know, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but you're right. It's all about Garner Johnson. Now, if they can get CJ GJ, he'll be, uh, that would make this offseason feel at least like you kept most of the team together. If not, I get the stripping of the parts feeling. It, it just hurts when you see these awesome guys who, you know, you maybe didn't give as big of deals to outperform them. You got to let them go. It's it's unfortunate, but it's part of the business. Yeah, and guys that got you to the almost the promised land uh, last season, right? That's, that's the hard part as a fan is separating that. Uh, from the business, but uh, I want to apologize uh, here, Jeff. So I'm very sorry. That was a very low blow uh, on the holding thing uh, about James Radbury. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a a bit of a low blow by me. I apologize. I hope you can uh, forgive me there. Uh, Fly Eagles fly. Uh, Look, CJ Garner Johnson now becomes a huge sign as you guys said. Um, But yeah. And, and the the Fletcher Cox deal to me, I mean, it makes, I understand it. Right. He's he's now the the franchise guy, along with guys like Jason Kelsey, who you brought back, Lane Johnson, who's going to be back this year. Um, but. I think he does more than that, right? Like you talk about the development of, of Jordan Davis on that defensive line, who's who's clearly going to be like the heir apparent. Uh, right. So that that's that's a help there. So, I mean, that value of ten million dollars sort of uh, sort of plays itself out a little bit over over the course of more than just the one year contract. Yeah. Uh, I feel like so. I, look, you've lost a lot. Uh, Javon Hargrave was was a huge loss um, as well, but uh, for a team that was that was really good uh, uh, on that uh, on that defensive line. But I think part of what it does is help force some of these young guys like Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean to step up. It helps focus what the weak part of that defense was was stopping the run. Right. Yeah. That was that was one of the things that uh, that was their Achilles heel last year. And we saw it in the Super Bowl as well. So uh, I, th- I think it sort of helps focus them on on what are the, the pieces that that we have around us? What are the what are the areas we need to focus on? Not necessarily like, oh, shit, are we going to have uh, are we going to have D Slay back this year? Are we going to have CJ GJ back this year? Right. Like, are we going to have Bradbury back this year? How are we going to uh, fit all these these missing pieces uh, and, and make a puzzle out of it. Right. Um, so I, I think some of that gets solved, um, um, through the process, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like CJ GJ is a huge part of that. Um, and, and I think it, I think in the long run next season, it'll be, it'll be for the better. Yeah. And it's important to remember too, that we have to look at this and a lot of what the Eagles are doing this off season through the lens of they're about to give Jalen hurts a massive contract. Right. I mean, they, right. that's coming at some point in, in the next couple months. We're going to see a big a big deal. So you have to make sure you have the space for it. Um, he has one year left on his rookie deal this year. Um, and. Because they get him here, like I kind of understand why, like 
14, was it 13 million for Jason Kelsey, 10 million for Fletch, uh, one year deal for BG, you know, like they did a lot of these short-term deals with veteran guys to do one last run while they're still here and Jalen's still on his rookie deal. But you also then have to figure out what are we going to do after that? Cause now you're going to have a highly paid you know, quarterback who's worth every cent, but you know, what, what's the rest of the roster look like at that point? And, right. Well, that's, that's the, and Kansas city somehow has defied it, but that's the point of the league where we've seen trends over the last few years is where the, the teams that get that far, or it's the value at the quarterback position, right? Yeah. Teams capitalize on that. And then, you know, you can build around that. Yeah. And again, if they can figure out a way to bring in CJ Garner Johnson and get him on Huge. a long-term deal, that's awesome. Mass, it's um, massive at this point. Yeah. And if not, then you lost three fourths of your secondary from last year and both linebackers and half of your defensive line. So like there's, there's a lot. Now the, the good news is Eagles fans, the offense is going to be the same right now. The only, the only player on offense other than miles is uh, Isaac Sayamalu. And we don't know what's going to happen with him, but if they end up sliding cam Jurgens to the outside, let him play guard. Um, you know, you might be able to save some money there and have a, you know, a, still have a really, really good offensive line uh, with obviously all those pieces that are there. So uh, not super fun for the Eagles, but at the same time, it's you got to do what you got to do, man. And and the most important thing this offseason is signing Jalen Hurts. And I guarantee you, whenever that contract comes up and how we sit in there with Jalen and they're at the press conference, that's exactly what Howie Roseman's going to say is, look, the most important part of our offseason this year was making sure that we signed Jalen Hurts to a deal. And uh, and hopefully they do that. Uh, all right, only I got two more things I want to hit on here, and then I'll let you guys fill in with anything else we might have missed. Um, Darren Waller traded from the Las Vegas Raiders to the New York football giants. Um, I, I like this move for New York. Uh, it, it's, I mean, look, when Waller's been on the field, he's been really good. But I do think those like that two-year run when he was like up there with Kelsey – and uh, Mark Andrews, like, has kind of, Kittle. and Kittle as well, um, has kind of blinded us a little bit. I mean, he was, he's still good when he plays, but he's, it's been two years now of a lot of injuries and not a ton of production. Don't think he was a great fit with McDaniels um, there in, in Las Vegas. Now you're going to give, you know, Brian Dayball a, hey, look, if we don't have any good wide receivers, might as well have a good tight end. And, and he's definitely still a good, um, tight end but you know we'll we'll see ultimately where that plays out reaction there Vito we'll start with you Darren Waller to the New York Giants well it it helps a lot I mean think about linebackers and safeties like oh you're gonna try and cover one of those uncoverable guys mixed with now you gotta load the box for Saquon like Daniel Jones is gonna have some help on play action so this is really good for him and yeah as weird as it is, the Giants offseason, even though like, you know, keeping a couple pieces, going and getting a guy like Waller, they're they're making improvements. And and I just didn't see that coming in this offseason for them. Yeah, not not for the Giants. I mean, look, they we saw how good they can be with a good playmaking tight end like uh like they had with Evan Ingram. Um, but man, to me, I mean that's not that's not the move. Like you you need more help on defense than I think they realize. Um, and, and apart from from all the Daniel Jones contract stuff that we talked about uh, on on uh, Tuesday's pod, like it, it it helps, but you know, I don't know. In the long run, to me, it doesn't it doesn't make a, a huge difference. I think there's there's a lot of other missing pieces that uh, that need addressed first. 
Yeah, I mean, their offensive line is still young, right? They drafted Evan Neal. Andrew Thomas finally had had a really, really good season last year. So they're set, at least at the tackle position. Interior offensive line is still it's still fine. It's not the best, but it's fine. Um, it's good enough to compete. But I actually think that the key word there is what you said, Vito. It's play action. I mean, Danny yeah. Dimes on the move, and now you're dealing with six foot seven freak athlete Darren Waller streaming, you know, streaming across the middle of the field. That's a big matchup problem. And, and well, health too is well, yeah. I mean, that's ultimately problem. that's ultimately the question. Like, is he gonna be healthy enough? And they gave up a third round pick for him, which isn't a ton, but it is considerable, you know, in terms of draft um, you know, capital, it is considered to be a pretty high draft, you know, in terms of value. So I look. Waller, I think it makes the, again, it makes them better. I think it was a pretty accurate trade in terms of what the Giants gave up for him. And look, you just made a move, right? You just traded uh, or just signed Danny Dimes to a contract, right? So you signed Danny Dimes as a big deal. You got to get him as much help as he can. And Isaiah Hodges was huge for them. He's going to probably come back and have another good year. And then the uh, Sterling Shepard, when he's been healthy, he's been fine. And that third round pick is what they got from Kadarius Tony in that trade. So basically they just traded Kadarius Tony for Darren Waller, which when you put it that way is kind of a, a no brainer trade. I think if you're the New York giants and it gives them a weapon in that position that they really haven't had since what, like Jeremy Shockey. I mean, when's yeah. the last like good tight end that we've seen there. Um, but I think it fits perfectly with what they're going to do with that offense. Obviously, Saquon's going to force a lot of confusion in the back end of a lot of defenses. They're going to be able to run that play action where they send Daniel Jones out on the bootleg and they're going to give him options, right? And and I think it's a really good fit. I, I do. I, I mean, we know Waller's not a blocking guy, so I don't think they're going to ask him to do a whole lot in the line of scrimmage. They'll line him up in the slot. He'll be good in the red zone. Um, he'll be really good over that middle of the field, which is kind of a spot they haven't had. The question is, is like, yeah, can he stay healthy this year? Cause it's been the last two years of him battling to stay on the field. And he's kind of dropped from that, like clear cut, like number two, number three tight end in the league to, you know, he's middle of the pack, but when he's healthy, he's really, really good. He still has that upside. We just haven't seen a lot of it. Uh, and the, the other big story too, and I don't know how big, big it is, but it looks like the bucks have their starting quarterback and it's not, Kyle Trask, and that is Baker Mayfield going to Tampa Bay on a one-year deal. Um, the whole NFC South just feels like, what are we doing? Like, I don't understand what any of the moves mean. Like, Derek are okay, it keeps you competitive. It's a slight upgrade from Andy Dalton. We talked about that on two, on Monday. Uh, and then the, the Falcons, uh, no idea what they're doing. They signed Taylor Heineke, so it's going to be Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. <laughs> I think we lost Jeff for a minute here, but uh, I yeah, can the green lizard, that. the green lizard in Atlanta. Dude. That's a big sign. I mean, that look, that dude wins you games. And by the way, he said he's content to hold the clipboard for 15 years. <laughs> Listen, if, if you're list, looking to develop a rookie quarterback and Desmond Ritter, that's not the guy you want to add is the guy who's content to hold the clipboard and Taylor Heineke, but he wins you games. He had 1200, uh, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions last year. Yeah, I mean, and that's what we've known about Taylor Heineke. And yeah, sorry, my I'm I have to hold my mic because I'm not at home right now. So it's it's the the wire will be a little finicky. Um, but yeah, I mean, just continuing that's a guess. You got Taylor Heineke in Atlanta and then Carolina. Who's the starting quarterback in in Carolina next year? I Sam mean, to, oh no, he's a niner. Yeah, I mean they have Matt Corral and then whoever they it's draft. It's gonna be with, Anthony Richardson. <laughs> whoever they draft with the first yeah. overall pick, so probably CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. Um 
So yeah, I mean that division as a whole, I mean, Carolina at least has like a long-term vision. I'm so confused with Arizona with uh, Atlanta because you look at that roster, right? They draft Drake London. They draft Kyle Pitts the year before you have these weapons on cheap deals. They're going to want outs. Like literally I know Drake London has only been a a rookie. He's going into a second year. That dude's going to want out. If you don't give him an option, we've seen wide receivers do that already. Um, And he was really, really good as a rookie last year. Uh, No one really talked about him because no one talked about Atlanta, but his like PFF grades, his production for his overall efficiency for the targets that he got was really high. Why isn't Atlanta going after Lamar Jackson? Like, you, this division is up in the air. It's year number three now with Art, uh, Arthur Smith, like who seems to be a pretty good coach. He's at least been able to raise the floor. You're just going to run it back with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke, and maybe you draft somebody, but then you're going like, to hey, continue to hand off to Cordero Patterson. And I just, I don't get it. They got, they got better on defense. So Yeah, I mean, they've at least spent on, on the defensive side of the ball. But, I mean, we're talking about a team that's maybe going to win, like, six wins if they don't do anything. And, and maybe they make a move and they go up and they, they draft a quarterback at the top. But I don't know. Like, if I'm Atlanta, it's like you actually have a roster that's not that far away from competing, and you're in the worst division in football. You add Lamar Jackson, the Falcons are become, like, minus 400 favorites to win that division. Oh, yeah. Easy. So <laughs> – all that to say, yeah, now Baker Mayfield is is the quarterback in Tampa Bay, which uh, don't really know what Tampa Bay is doing with all that either. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, you weren't going to roll out Kyle Trask, so maybe they'll draft somebody in, in, in the draft this year, but they're not going to be in position to draft one of the top guys. So, I guess roll a year with Baker Mayfield. And then and the, the other thing, too, and I haven't talked about this on the pod, and we haven't really talked about it, but next year's QB class – is going to be really loaded. I mean, Caleb Williams is the prize target. So we're going to see teams next year that are just really bad that are like, why is Kyle Trask starting it? Why is Baker Mayfield just starting quarterback right now? You know, because teams are going to want to get in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And, and I totally understand that. I mean, Caleb Williams is amazing and might be one of the top prospects we've had come out in, in a long time. Um, mainly because he is pretty, pol- he's not polished yet, but he's getting better. He's going to have another year with Lincoln Riley. Um, I mean, dude just won the fucking Heisman this past year, and he's a ridiculous. Yeah. I've said it before. I mean, I went and watched him because he's from the DC area. I went and watched him play when Gonzaga prep. Yeah, when yeah. he was at Gonzaga, I, I went to one of his games, and it's one of the most impressive athletes I've ever seen in my life. Was watching Caleb Williams as an 18 year old in high school. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely in the minds of some of these some of these teams. Um, I don't know, but if you're Atlanta, like I'd also would love to have Lamar Jackson. So yeah, and, and they were in on Deshaun Watson last year too, which is even weirder. It's like you were in on Deshaun Watson, but you're not in on Lamar. Yeah, I don't get it. I, it's it's so weird. It's I don't know. The NFL can be fucking weird sometimes. Uh, all right, any other uh, NFL free agency stuff that we missed? Um, there's a lot of small things. Tampa Bay bringing back Levante David. Yeah. Uh, would love that guy. I mean, don't get me started on the Niners. I'll lament when it's all over. Uh, I'm just, yeah. I'm just annoyed with them. Uh, Hayden Hurst going to Carolina. There you go. There you go, Matt Corral. I'm, I'm kind of sad Matt Corral is not going to get a chance to play. I love that dude in college. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, you mentioned before, uh, Scotty. He is signing with the Patriots. Um, whatever. Fuck you, Juju. After all the shit talking he said with AJ Brown, I'm like, I'm out on Juju. That dude's a little bitch. Uh. Yeah, not a whole lot. David Montgomery going to uh, that, going to Detroit. Okay, that one I don't understand. 
Yeah, you already right. got three, and, two running backs there. And they're going to force out Jamal Williams, who's an unrestricted free agent this year, by the way. Uh, why would you force out a guy who just scored 20-something touchdowns for you um, and, and replace him with uh, a guy who's injury-prone? So you've got DeAndre Swift, who's we know is injury-prone, and you re- replace the backup in Detroit with uh, David Montgomery, who's also injury-prone. So now you have two injury-prone running backs, and you yeah. force out the guy who scored 20 touchdowns for you this year. I don't well, understand that one at all. Well, you're a fantasy guy. You know this. Running back touchdowns are one of those stats that's like the ultimate example of regression to the mean. Like, he, well, sure, there's but like... <laughs> like, it just is. Like, that's not to say I don't disagree with you. I would also rather have uh, Jamal Williams than David Montgomery. But uh, Dave Montgomery, when he's been healthy, he's been good. Just a lot of money. I mean, three-year, $18 million deal, $11 million guaranteed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right now, uh, most of the, the big moves have happened at this point. Um, we'll see. Uh, the only other, I guess, news that we I can double back from from Tuesday was uh, Austin Eckler's uh, request to seek a trade was approved. So he's looking for a potential trade partner. I'd be very curious to see where he ends up. Your Broncos veto signing Samaji Pirine. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, Andy Dalton going to the Panthers, that's who's going to be the quarterback for the Panthers. Andy Dalton. Oh, yeah. There you go. The red rifle. There it is. All right. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We have to do our bracket here. We're losing veto in a little bit. Uh, I was late to the pod today, so that's on me. So, uh, we got the pod, uh, still continuing on the other side and we have our bracket fill out. We will go round by round and we'll, at the end of it, we'll do, uh, our, our little competition like we did last year. So everyone hang tight. We'll be back in just a sec. There we go. Do you guys know I was an acapella? Um, <laughs> that's exactly how it sounded too. All right. That's uh, it. It is March. You did the Madness. March Madness theme? <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. Oh, we did. that would be sick. <laughs> It'd be fun if you did all of like the sports jingles. That's the problem. Acapella kids would never enjoy this, but I would have. Just do all the like, basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the ball. Um, yeah, but do like all the like NFL j- theme songs and like just mix it in. That actually be kind of fun. All right. Uh, anyway, it is bracket time. Third year running. We are doing the read option bracket challenge. Uh, it's going to be lots of fun. I'm excited to go through it. We are each going to go uh, spot by game by game, region by region, until we each have our national champions. Uh, obviously, some of these games, we don't have to break down super in-depth, but uh, we will work our way through, and uh, we'll see who wins at the end. I think I won the first year because I had Baylor winning it all. I had a, I was in like the 98th percentile that year. Uh, Scotty, did you win last year? I think so. I think you won. I wonder if I can pull it up from last year. Um, I did not. Either way, that so yeah. You know, if you don't know, I don't know if you did one with us last year. I think I I don't. I don't think you were in the pod. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I think you did. Yeah. So yeah, we got everyone in. Let's start. We're gonna start in the left side of the bracket. So we'll go left side, right side. We'll work our way up. Uh, We'll start here. South number one overall seed, Alabama, going up against Texas A and M, Corpus Christi. Uh, and, uh, they are, uh, the first, they were in a playing game last night. They won. They're taking on Alabama. Don't think there's much to talk about here. Uh, Alabama, best team in the country, most talented team in the country, best player in the country, really good head coach. Um, despite some of the off the court stuff, what's going on there. No doubt Alabama's moving on. 
Yeah, don't think too hard about it uh, in this one. We'll talk about Alabama a little later, but they advance pretty easily in this one. Texas A&M, really good free throw shooting team, so it might be closer than you think if you're betting, uh, but Alabama rolls. Yeah. All right. Uh, 8-9, Maryland, West Virginia. Uh, People in the DMV will care about this game, uh, which is interesting. Um, Not really a natural rival. It should be a natural rivalry based on the location of these states. They border one another. They're right there. Uh, But, yeah, no real connection. Uh, Right now, Maryland, really solid season in the Big Ten this year. I think some might even say a little bit disappointing uh, considering uh, how they performed, but still 5-4 and versus top 25 teams. I mean, these were the two best uh, conferences in college basketball this year, the Big Ten and the Big 12. So I'm not holding too much against West Virginia, but the one thing is West Virginia can – bomb it um don't play a lot of defense on that team give up 71 points per game but they also average almost 77 points a game uh so where are we leaning right now uh Vito, we'll start with you buddy maryland uh gotta be maryland for reasons and that's about it uh i have a turtle Dirty and turps. so if i if i didn't if i didn't take the turfs for my boy van he'd be upset oh i think you actually did do this with us last year and you just made <laughs> jokes with each one i'm remembering that now this is how I pick. Yeah, exactly. Which is perfect because <laughs> we need the person who's like, yeah, I don't watch any college basketball, but I'm just dicking around because there's definitely people who listen to this podcast who uh, operate that way. Uh, I'm going West Virginia. West Virginia, again, score a lot of points. Um, Maryland, uh, look, any team that's able to put up almost, you know, what they have, like 19 wins. Um, any team that, yeah, 19 and 14 gets almost 20 points in that conference with how loaded it was. Uh, I, I think Maryland, again, solid team. They've kind of come up short. I don't think defensively they're going to be able to handle the offense from West Virginia. I'm going with the Mountaineers. A tradition unlike any other huggy bear in the tournament. <laughs> and yeah. right, West Virginia is on quite a run here, and they came from the the uh, the better of those two conferences, uh, although slightly marginal. Uh, but I think Maryland, with this is going to be a physical battle to the death. I mean, Hakeem Hart down there on the three. Uh, Dante Scott down on the four and, and, and Julian Reese on the five, two or three of the most physical players in the big 10 this year for Maryland. And, and on the other side, West Virginia uh, is just as physical uh, uh, as well. I mean, look, and, and they can score with, with the best of them, but, uh, but Trey Mitchell uh, and Jimmy Bell down on the blocks are, are going to give uh, Maryland some fits and it's going to be a physical all out brawl, but I think the uh, the Terps prevail here. They can score just a little bit better. Their offensive efficiency is still top 50 in the country. So give me the Terps. All right, dirty Terps. Uh, next up, San Diego State and the College of Charleston. Cinderella story, uh, College oh, of Charleston. Oh, baby. It's uh, brewing. Coming, coming out of the uh, uh, co- uh, Colonial Athletic Association, my former conference. Um, look, I mean, San Diego State, Mountain West teams, have not won a game 0-8 in their last eight games for Mountain West teams. They've struggled in the tournament. San Diego State's been the one pretty consistent team for them, uh, but this year they've been a little up and down. I don't see the upset happening, though. Again, if, if College, College of Charleston kind of stays hot, you know, you never know. But I think San Diego State breaks the 0-8 streak for the Mountain West and uh, finds their way into the uh, second round, round of 32. Charleston, one of the best rebounding teams in the country, uh, best offensive rebounding teams in the country, and in, in the top 50 in three-point shooting. That's uh, usually a good recipe for an upset, especially when you're talking about a 12-5 line. I said last Tuesday, or this past Tuesday, watch out for the Cougs of College of Charleston. They move on and beat the Aztecs. 
Man, I, I had San Diego State, but I forgot these are the Cougs. So I'm switching. I'm going Cougs. I <laughs> uh, love Vito's commentary. All right, up next, uh, one of the more popular upsets that people are predicting. We have number four, UVA in the South region going up against Furman. Uh, Furman, they're, they're, they're very simple. They shoot a lot of threes, and they make a lot of them. Uh, UVA, they're known for that slow pace, that ugly defense. I think Furman's just going to try to shoot him out of the gym. And ultimately, this game's going to come down to whether or not Furman makes their threes. I say yes. Furman moves on with the upset over. Oh, wow. Hoosiers. Wow. No, I'm with you, man. There's there's a possibility for a 12-13 matchup here. And I love the uh, the analysis. Virginia's just going to slow him down on defense. Like, Virginia's really good on the ball. Um, they're going to run these guys off of the three with their defense. That's just the style that Tony Bennett plays. Uh, and, and Furman's going to struggle for the first time this year making threes in this game. Virginia's defense holds, and they move on. Tony Bennett coaches UVA? Yep. Same one. Yeah, he yeah, left his good. heart in San Francisco, and now Damn. he's coaching the, the Cavs. Too bad. Upset City. We're going Furman. Oh, baby. It. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, what is Furman's mascot? I don't even know. The Paladins. The Paladins. The Paladins. <laughs> I love them more. Jesus, let's go. It's fantastic. All right. Up next, we got number six, Creighton going up against NC State. And uh, I'm going with the Wolfpack here. And there's a specific reason because most people do not like NC State in this game. However, they are drinking the nobody believes in us Kool-Aid right now. Everyone talking about how Clemson beat the shit out of them three different times, beat them by a combined 65 points this season in all three meetings against Clemson. Clemson left out of the tournament. Everyone's saying they were robbed. They should be in over NC State. NC State, look, they're not some fantastic team. I don't think they're going to go on to some magical run, but I do think for this first game, they will be drinking that nobody believes in us Kool-Aid, which is very strong and very potent. Give me the Wolfpack. Creighton, very underwhelming in the Big East tournament. I like the Wolfpack. Wolfpack can shoot, man. I, I mean, I'm I'm talking they can really shoot. Casey Morsel, really one of the one of the better three point shooters in the uh, in the in the conference and in in the NC2A this year uh, at the two guard. I think I think you're right, Jeff. I think there's a case to be made for for the NC State Wolfpack who feel disrespected uh, to, to be there, but look, Creighton to me uh, is undervalued at a six seed. I think they should be higher. I think people are talking about them in the preseason as one of the better teams in the country. They can shoot the lights out of the ball. Greg McDermott's great in the tournament. Give me the Creighton blue Jays to move on. NC state. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. Uh, obviously. Duh, duh. Come on. Wolf pack. <laughs> you want to go up against a pack of wolves? Yeah. Sorry. Rhett and link. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Baylor Bears against UC oh, Santa Barbara. I, I know where know. Vito's going. Yeah, Vito, <laughs> we can already pencil that one in. Mark him Sharpie. Uh, Vito's going to take the uh, – what are they again? The Gauchos. The, the Gauchos. Big West. That's right. The Gauchos of UC Santa Barbara. I'm rolling with Baylor. Uh, Scott Drew, still one of the best coaches in college basketball. Really good team playing one of the best conferences. They have the championship DNA. They have a championship head coach. They have a good backcourt. They kind of are checking off the boxes. The only thing they don't have is they don't have a clear-cut pro. Uh, that doesn't mean that they don't have somebody who could eventually end up making it in the league. So I'm rolling with the Baylor Bears. I mean, yeah, I'm obviously on on the couch. Gaucho, Scotty, are, yeah. are you with me or what? Are you on the winning team or are you on Baylor? <laughs> Look, here's where uh, here's where you could see a big 14-3 upset, but – 
I think the experience and the coaching of Baylor wins uh, in the back. I love the Gaucho. Don't get me wrong, Vito. I love the Gauchos out of the Big West. Experience guard play. A couple of seniors on the team. They've rid it out. They had a 12 seed, uh, but they lost me some money a couple of years ago. And for that, I will not forgive them. Baylor Bears roll on. All right. Baylor Bears, they don't hibernate. They accelerate. That was, I went to school. We were the Butler Bears in elementary school. And some kid nice. came up with that. Uh, yeah, that was a joke for like one well, person. Bears aren't traditionally good yeah. runners. So. Shout out, shout <laughs> out, Ryan. Ryan Kakaika will 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 get that one. One of our OG <laughs> listeners, he'll he'll like that one. All right, up next we have Mizzou and Utah State. Neither one of these teams like to play defense, but they both like to shoot a lot. This is just going to be whoever gets hot, whoever's making their threes. Uh, I'm going to go with just strength of schedule. Obviously, playing in a much tougher conference i like mizzou here they're gonna put up a lot of shots i think they get the job done i think they upset you or not upset i think they just knock off utah state missouri looked good against alabama uh in in that semifinal game and look i i think you're absolutely right but utah state is destined for an upset that mountain west was stacked this year it's better than it's been in a lot of years um and and we seem to talk every year about how good the mountain west is i think san diego state has been the the uh, flag bearer for that, but I think Utah State gets a good oh, matchup eight, here. I think Utah State gets a good matchup here against a Missouri team that is not as as strong on defense. Uh, and, and Utah State can shoot the lights out of the ball. Really good free throw shooting team. Give me the Aggies and the over. The over in this game, absolutely. So uh, I'm going Mizzou, and for reasons that will come up in the future, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I mean, so, so this is this is how, and not to interject and, and slow it down, but this is like. Uh, so I do a bracket with my wife every year, and every year I give you, I do the same analysis uh, in my head as I do here on the podcast, and she beats me every year. So take that for what you want. She does the same sort of veto analysis here. So, uh, well, the, the reason, if I can lead into the next game, which I think a lot of us that are in Arizona is, I'm big on Z teams this year. If you got a Z, mm-hmm. you're going far. So well, Missouri know, has two S's. I'm I don't know. What big last in the alphabet, baby. Not in my book. They're Mizzou <laughs> in my book. They're last, far. last in the alphabet, but first in your hearts. It's the Z teams. <laughs> uh, all right. And then up next, yeah, the Wildcats going up against Princeton. Uh, yeah, it's Arizona. I love Arizona. Yeah, I don't uh, think, think too much about it. Yeah, yeah, this is inside out ball. Arizona's going to They got a they got a tough draw, man. I, it sucks that they're in the same bracket as Alabama because I think they could very easily be a Final Four team, and they still could be if they get to that chance where they go up against Alabama. So Tommy Weber, second year, we're going with the Wildcats. Uh, all right, moving on. East region, bottom left part of your bracket, we have Purdue versus the winner of uh, Texas Southern and uh, Fairly Dickinson. I believe it's Texas Southern. Yeah, that's the uh, yeah the Texas Sunbelt. Southern. Sunbelt representative, right? Was that Texas Southern? No. Uh, Who is the Sunbelt representative? I don't even know. I should know that. All right, we'll get to it if we figure it out. I think it might actually be Texas Southern. Zach Parker's on it. Uh, either way, Purdue, again, no six. Texas Southern's out of the SWAC. Yeah. Swag. So, uh, okay, the Tigers out of the SWAC. The, uh, uh, the Sunbelt rep is the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They're a 13 oh, seed. Oh, that's right. We're going to see them go up against Tennessee here in a little bit. Uh, yeah, Purdue, no 16 1 upsets this year. So we're going to just slide on down uh so far i'd say this is probably my favorite or maybe second favorite eight uh eight nine matchup memphis against fau uh i'm very high on memphis but i think this first round game is going to be tough i'm also one of my like manifesto rules is like i i don't 
I typically try to fade teams that win their conference championships and they get kind of really hot late. Like, Hey, this team just won like eight games in a row. Um, but they're super physical, uh, FAU, They've been an awesome team from start to finish this year. They have some size that I think could be really fun in the next round if they get through to match up against Purdue. So uh, I don't quite have my pick. I keep going back and forth. I think if Memphis wins, I think they could make a run to this Sweet 16. Um, but as of right now, I'm kind of split. So, Scotty, who are you leaning with here between Memphis and FAU? I love the length that FAU has. The Owls out of the uh, out of the Conference USA Jalen Gaffney to me is, is one of the, the end and in the four spot. And then, and John L Davis at the five, I think is are the two guys who have the length. And this is a bit of a spoiler alert, have the length to beat some of these teams that are in this side of the bracket. So uh, give me the owls, not only to, uh, to move on. It's a bit of an upset. I don't think it's that much of an upset. Florida and or Florida Atlantic was, an incredible team all year, all year long. And then they, they got a little bit hosed in the, uh, in the uh, championship game of their conference and, and ended up with a nine seed, but uh, I'm, I'm on the owls and I'm really high on that team. I'm uh listen on this one. I'm just rolling with FAU and we're going to see what happens. Mm. I just don't like Memphis. I think Paxton Lynch went to Memphis. I'm pretty sure. So. Did. That is accurate. I have, yeah. a, I have a bad experience with that skew. So did Kenny Gainwell. So <laughs> that, that is fair. That is fair. Uh, I'm going to pull a card out of uh Sung's book. I'm going to fade Scotty here. I'm going to roll with Memphis. I like Memphis. It's size versus physicality. Um, it's length versus physicality, I should say. And I think uh, in this Penny case, Hardaway. I, I think physicality <laughs> wins. So we're rolling with Memphis. Uh, Duke versus Oral Roberts, uh, Oral Roberts, the sweetheart, the Cinderella's from a couple of years ago. I know where uh, Vito was picking here. Um, I've gone back and forth and I've done uh, I have one bracket right now. And at that first bracket, I have uh, Oral Roberts in it, but I'm kind of split here. Uh, I think I'm going to roll with Duke. I think, you know, again, it's that team that got hot and, you know, they won the ACC championship, but they just haven't been super tested. So I don't think they go particularly far. Um, but for right now, I'm going to roll with the Duke Blue Devils. Everyone's going to pick Oral Roberts because of that run a couple of years ago. Um, but I'm going to roll with Duke. I mean, it's Oral, bro. You go easy to go for that. I mean, it, it's that's it. It's a game. Don't easy hate pick. that pick. Uh, Duke is one of the top uh, most red-hot teams in the country. Oral Roberts in the top three of offensive efficiency, but I think they run into a problem. Uh, with the Duke Blue Devils and and how good they've been on defense, so I'm going to take Duke to a base. Oh, oh no, I was looking at the wrong one. They're playing. Yeah, I did. Pick, I'm picking Duke. I'm picking Duke. Wow, wow. I didn't realize that. I'm sorry, everybody. No, you're fine. We got it. Uh, all right, up next, Tennessee versus the Louisiana Ragin Cajuns. Uh, right now, uh, I mean, ten. It's so tough because Tennessee looked like they could have been a title contender. Uh, one of their best players goes out with an ACL tear. Uh, it's a sad story. Two times this year, Tennessee's had their seasons ripped away from a star player tearing an ACL, which sucks if you're a volunteer. Um, but I do think they still have enough to get past uh, Louisiana in the first round. So far, I'm going all chalk for the first four games, uh, but I'm rolling with Tennessee. Yeah, I think there's potential for an upset, especially with the uh, with Tennessee's point guard out for the rest of the tournament. Um but, you know, I mean, they're, they're still played in, in one of the toughest conferences in the league, uh, Louisiana, uh, out of the Sun Belt, a, a hard-fought conference win 
in their conference tournament. Uh, but I think Tennessee uh, has enough to get by, to be sure. Vita? I went Raging Cajuns. I'm a big Sunbelt fan, as you guys know yeah. from gambling and football. Sunbelt so. Fun Belt. That's it is, right. Baby. It is the Fun Belt. We know that. And it's just a great team name, the Raging Cajuns. It's fantastic. Right. Uh, all right. Next up, Kentucky versus Providence. Uh, we have two coaches that right now uh, that could, I don't think Cal is going to be on the move. Um, but I'll tell you what, that seat in Lexington, we never thought we'd get warm with Cal there. It's starting to get a little warm. And Ed Cooley's name has been mentioned there with the uh, Georgetown Hoyas opening up after Patrick Ewing was let go. So uh, I'm going to roll with an upset here. I'm going to take Providence. I think Kentucky, there's a lot of pressure on them to do well. They've been disappointing over the last few years here with Cal. I think that seat continues to get warm. I'm rolling with uh, the, uh, I always forget what Providence is, the Friars? The Friars, yeah. Friars, okay. Out of the Big East. Uh, Look, I think whoever wins this game will be in the Sweet 16, whether it's Kentucky or Providence. But uh, pressure makes diamonds, as they say. Carson Wallace at point guard, Chris Livingston the two guard. I think there's enough. Jacob Toppin, who's one of the better players in the uh, in the league this year in the SEC. Uh, I think that their guard play, uh, their ability to shoot the free throw, and what's really going to put them over the top is the rebounding. Uh, they're one of the top 10 rebounding teams in all of the NC2A. Give me the Kentucky Wildcats to move on in the first and the second. <laughs> Man, I, I want Providence. Um just a lower seed, and I've seen Kentucky. It's one of those teams where, like, Kentucky's always really high, and now that they're not, I'm going against them. That's there you go. That's the only reason I got. I like it. Got You're always it. really high. Uh, What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kansas State, Montana State, three fourteen matchup here. Uh, again, battle tested Big Twelve teams. Everyone in the Big Twelve, I just love, so it's hard to go against them. Uh, Montana State, long flight. Um, yeah, I don't know. I to be honest, I don't know much about Montana State, so I'm going to roll with the Wildcats here. I've gone real chalk heavy. I don't love it, but I'm going with Kansas State. Yeah, Montana State's a good team, really big, uh, good size. Uh, they can run you off the three point line, but I think Kansas State, uh, with with the ability to score that they have, and and uh, and the fact that they played in the Big Twelve, I think this is might be a closer game than people think. But uh, Kansas State moves on. Oof. Um, listen, Vito, what what are your little connections? Kansas State, Manhattan, Kansas, Manhattan of the West, Wildcats. My, uh, Purple, listen, what do you one want? Of my, one of my good boys <laughs> went to Kansas State, and uh, I picked them. I, I'm a big uh, big fan of what they're doing. So uh, in football, I don't know what's going on in basketball, but I'm hoping it translates. Shout out Chris Kleiman. All right, uh, up next, USC and Michigan State, a future Big Ten matchup between these two. Uh, big 10 representation here. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting one. Tom Izzo, you know, there's always the, the PMT thing. Oh, Tom Izzo is overrated. I don't know. I think Michigan state's not a, not a bad team. I think USC is kind of lucky to have gotten into the tournament and get seated where they did. Uh, definitely not the best USC team we've seen for a while. So I'm, I got, I'm so chalky in this bracket. I don't like it, but yeah, I'm going to roll with Michigan state. I'm with you. Rolling Michigan State. Um, Sparty. I just would rather have those fans win than USC fans. Yeah, me too. Um, although weird to predict, but head coach Andy Enfield is like something like 10 and 2 in the uh, in the last 12 
uh, games that he has coached USC in the tournament. I think this is where you see one of those 10-7 upsets. Uh, those those tend to happen a lot, uh, along with the 12-5s. USC's got some length. Uh, they can rebound the ball really effectively. And Boogie Ellis is a really good leader on the, at the at the point position. So uh, give me the Trojans, unfortunately, uh, to, to win this game. All right. Uh, actually, yeah, I'm going to switch to the Trojans. 10-7 matchups always tend to work out that way. Uh, all right. So I'm on USC now. Uh, Marquette, Vermont. Nothing for the, the what are the catamarans? Catamarans. The catamounts. Catamounts. Catamarans are a boat, but uh, the catamounts Catalogs. are. <laughs> yeah. Catamaran makes right. a sick logo. That would be cool. All right. Everyone's on Marquette. <laughs> we'll go to the Midwest. Uh, Houston moving on over Northern Kentucky. Yeah, the North. To uh, Iowa and Auburn, a Big Ten SEC matchup here. Not one I would want to watch in football, but could be interesting in basketball. Uh, Auburn, also worth mentioning, this game is in Birmingham, Alabama. So uh, Auburn's going to have a little bit of a home court advantage, and I'm rolling with the Tigers because of it. War Eagle. Good, Scotty. Uh, Iowa can shoot the lights out of the ball, um, and, and I think that's that at the end of the day is going to win. Auburn isn't uh, as strong defensively as Bruce Pearl teams have been in the past, so I'm going to take Iowa to uh, to score enough to win this game. Uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game too, by the way. Uh, War Eagle, baby. We're going Auburn. I love how my bracket is literally the opposite of your guys's, but yeah. this is great. Yeah, one of us <laughs> is going to have a great time, or neither of us, honestly. Yeah. None of us are. That's <laughs> probably, it's probably y'all. I do too much analysis during the conference championship week. I love it. All right, uh, up next we have I uh, Indiana. Sorry, skipped the game. Miami against mm-hmm. Drake. Uh, Drake has been the top twenty-five team this year. Um, they're very good defensively holding teams to 63 points a game. Uh, and they can also put some points up. I sniff an upset here. I think the ACC is weak. I think we're going to see that play out here. Miami really hasn't been tested much. Uh, and uh, again, coming off of a, a run in the ACC tournament, I like Drake with the 12, five upset. Yeah. Listen, Drake has the most streams on Spotify in history, over 75 billion streams for Drake. Um, it's hard to compete with, and and I think because of that, Drake's going to end up pulling the dub in in basketball as well. Back to back, yeah, big injury to uh, to one of Miami's guards, uh, but I still think they have enough um, and score in a in a good ACC conference uh, down year for the ACC. But I think Miami uh, cruises past Drake. Uh, this is a trendy pick to to take the twelve five, uh, but I think this is one of the ones that holds in the five C. Miami moves on. All right, up next, we have Indiana and Kent State. This is another one of those trendy upset picks. I like the Hoos, man. The Hoos have won some big games this year, uh, and I think they've kind of flown under the radar because it's Indiana. Uh, Mike Woodson in his uh, first year here, or second year, I don't remember, uh, but coaching up this Hoos team really well. I like Indiana. I like Indiana a lot, uh, and I think we might see them pop up again a little bit later in my bracket, so I'm rolling with the Hoosiers. Kent State, another great three-point shooting team, on, like off the charts good. They're in the top 10. But the, the thing is, uh, and the struggle with Indiana, and we'll get to this in future rounds, they've had trouble validating their wins. Usually they'll go win-loss, win-loss, win-loss over the past few weeks. Uh, and so that's going to be a struggle. Can they get past a, a good Kent State team? 
Yes, I think they have enough on defense, enough experience in the tournament. I remember a year ago they were in the play-in game, so now to uh, to be here in a, in a four seed, uh, I, I think they remember that play-in game. They had to get the cheerleader throwing up there to, to yeah, get the ball off the backboard. That's yeah. right. Um, so so uh, Indiana really, I think, in, in a strong strong year for the Big Ten. They're they're one of the more elite teams there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a run, uh, but I think Indiana cruises in this game as well. Golden flashes, baby. I mean, they're the closest location to me right now. I'm in Cleveland. And, uh, That's true. Listen, uh, I don't I, hate it. Some I really don't like them. Apparently, I this was someone else in all of this, you know, as I'm watching stuff for football news uh, is popping up talking about them. So feel, feel good about it. All right. Up next, we have Iowa State against Pitt. Pitt escapes the play-in game, knocking off uh, Mississippi what State. What a great game. <laughs> Big time win. And look, we see 11 seeds in these playing games pretty much every year. One team goes on a run. Is it possible that Pitt is that team? Scotty said so on Tuesday's pod. Uh, I'm not so sure. I think I might lean with the Cyclones here. Uh, but hey, I'm open to be uh, convinced otherwise. So why don't you uh, why don't you go first, Scotty? Is Pitt making the is that the next 11 seed to make a run? No, you're right. I made the case for them. Uh, I, I didn't say I was going to pick them, but uh, I made the case for it. I think Pitt, uh, especially after what I saw last night, and, and they got a little banged up against a physical Mississippi State team. I think uh, not a good three-point shooting team. That's not what you want against a Big 12 team who's who's usually good on both sides of the ball. Iowa State is uh, fits that mold in the Big 12, good on defense, running off the line, um, but don't need to. They can play physical down low as well, Iowa State, and I think they move on against Pitt. Sorry, Vic. I got Pitt. I got Pitt straight up. Let's go. I would love, you know, Pitt, Penn State in the Elite Eight. Like, let's do it. <laughs> well, so I, so my mom actually texted me this and it was a good, it was a good point. Uh, there, I wonder if the last time there were no Philadelphia based teams in the bracket. Oh, no LaSalle. Yeah. No, no LaSalle. No, uh, no St. Joe's. No St. No Joe's. And then no Villanova. It's, yeah, it's Nova, obviously. It's very weird this year. Uh, so part of me wants to take Pitt, right? Because it's kind of close. My mom went, you know, went, was a big Pitt fan. Well, just wait for two more um, matchups. You can take a Pennsylvania team. Uh, unfortunately, though, I do have to take Iowa State in this game. Uh, I, I, I like everything about that. I, they were my sleeper team last year. They had a nice little run and paid off. That experience comes back. I think they they handle Pitt. I think it's a really good game, though. I think that's going to be one of the best games of the first round. Uh, all right, we have Xavier and Kennesaw State matching up here. Uh, Three fourteen matchup. Scotty's got a shit eating grin on his face. Uh, what are you thinking here, Scotty? Look, the Big East has been amazing this year. And look, Sean Miller uh, finds his way back to Cincinnati, coaching the Xavier Musketeers out of the uh, out of the Big East. Uh, Sean Miller, a familiar name from Arizona, if you'll remember. Uh, but look, this is going to be a tougher matchup for Xavier than people think. I think a lot of people are looking at Xavier going, hey, this is an, a, a strong team out of a good conference there. They're an easy Sweet 16 team. Nope. Kennesaw State, the Owls out of uh, out of the Southland. Four senior guards on their mm-hmm. team. And we talk about one of the big things on March Madness is experienced guard play. Kennesaw State comes close but Xavier moves on. That's right, baby X. This is, uh, this is, this is one of my favorite teams. And Luke, I feel where's Luke at? Time, <laughs> my no, this is where my guy. sister went, my brother-in-law. It's right, right outside of Cincy. This is, uh, X is the way to go. Let's go Xavier. And, and Xavier sounds like your Z name, even though it's not. So right. Keep your trend up. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Kennesaw State. I think this is a big upset. I love Sean, it. Sean Miller. I, I absolutely love it. Well, the thing is, Sean Miller, not great tournament coach. He had a lot of shortcomings when he was at Arizona. Uh, and I love, like you said, Scotty, four senior guards. Backcourt is huge. I love the upset here uh, against Xavier. All right. Uh, now we're up to the game. Texas A&M and Penn State. It'd be such a heel turn if Vito picked Texas A&M, but I don't think he's going to. No, I got my Nittany Lions. Um, yeah. And and I, I love, I mean, listen, I actually, these are two programs that have always kind of, in my mind, been linked kind of funny enough, like big fan bases, um, football schools. I don't know about A&M, but like this is just unique for both these teams, I feel like, to be in this spot, and I kind of like it. Yeah, the little, bro- the, the little brothers in their own conferences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true. Fuck it. All right, I mean, Scotty's picking championship. Scotty's picking Penn State. We know it. Yeah, this, uh, but this to me has the potential to be one of the, uh, no joke, one of yeah. the best games in the entire first round. I mean, the, the guard play from, from Penn State, Jalen Pickett over here on my, on my left shoulder. Uh, is uh, is an NBA ready guard. Penn State is a top ten shooting three point team. Great on defense. If they can hit some free throws down the stretch, and I think they will, uh, I think there's a chance to to beat a, a an underseeded Texas A and M team. Give me the give me the Nittany Lions to roll on. I'm gonna roll with my guys here. I'm taking Penn State. Uh, I, I think oh. the biggest. I'm, I think the big thing. And look, I really like te- Texas A and M. Like I, I I think they are the superior team. But I'm gonna roll with my guys. And uh, Jalen Pickett. So, yeah, I mean, probably the best player on the court is playing for Penn State, and I love the coach uh, at Penn State, too. He won't be there Micah for Micah Shrewsbury. Yeah. yeah. Shrewsbury, that's right. I mean, his tree Nosbury. is ridiculous. He was with Matt Painter at uh, at Purdue and, and uh, 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 oh, God, Brad Stevens at, uh, at Butler. Yeah. Uh, Vito had to bounce. He's got some other stuff he's got to take care of, so he sent us his picks. Uh, we will add that in uh, with our bracket. We won't necessarily say them here, but Vito sends his best. Uh, all right, let's get to the final region here for the first round in the West. Kansas and Howard were on with the Jayhawks in round one. We missed a game in the Midwest, my friend. Oh, sorry, Texas and Colgate. Sorry, do you think Colgate's going to beat Texas? I think there's a shot. There's a no. there's always a chance. It's March. <laughs> there's it's March. so Colgate is one of those teams that uh, that has one of those lumbering white seven foot centers that we fall in love with. Yeah, uh, there's two of them actually on the Raiders, but uh, I don't think they uh, they advance far enough for us to to fall in love with them as a nation. Give me give me the Longhorns, who were a popular pick to go really far in this tournament. That's a, such a good team and such a good story. Yeah, I'm taking Texas as well. All right, Kansas and Howard. We're rolling with Kansas. Uh, yep. Arkansas and Illinois, really, really fun matchup mm-hmm. here. Uh, I've said this before. I said it on the pod on Tuesday, at least. Uh, I love the must bus. Again, a couple of pros on that team, at least one lottery pick. Really good guard play. They got the formula. They've had an unlucky year. They've come up short in some games, but they are battle tested. I think this is the time when they prove it and they figure out a way to move on here. I'm taking the Razorbacks. Yeah, another SEC Big 12 matchup, right? This is this is what yeah. second or, or Big 10 matchup. I'm sorry, second or third on this uh, on the slate in the first round. Um, yeah. I, I really think that that this is where experience wins out, though. And Arkansas and the Must Bus are, are are moving on. Illinois is a really good team. I really do think that they're good. They're they have the potential to be uh, in that elite tier in that three four seed line, but they've been so inconsistent throughout this year. Um, and, and I think that's going to 
going to play a lot into into this game where where you're going to have the experience and and the NBA readiness of some of these guys on Arkansas. Uh, and and again, one of the big things we talk about in in this tournament is coaching. Yeah, right. And Mus uh, has has been there. He's made deep runs. So uh, and, and I, I think Arkansas moves on as well. All right. Uh, up next, we have uh, St. Mary's and VCU. Uh, again, St. Mary's, one of those teams that just always hangs around. They're always a team that people remember, uh, but they're ranked a little bit higher this year than we've seen in years past. They put together a really good year, obviously competing with Gonzaga out in the West, um, but they have a good team and a five seed. I think it's probably as high as we've ever seen St. Mary's, uh, but don't sleep on VCU. I like this VCU team, right? And remember, VCU was also the team that got, uh, unfortunately, bounced from um the, the tournament a couple of years ago because of COVID. They were the only team that was not allowed to play uh, in the 2021 season because of COVID. So uh, I'm rolling with VCU. I think they come out with a chip on their shoulder here. St. Mary's uh, I think is absolutely gettable. And we also all remember the year VCU and Shaka Smart went all the way to the final four. So I think people are going to uh, roll here and uh, I'm going with uh, VCU. Yeah, I, I just St. Mary's is always hanging around there with Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference. Uh, no disrespect to to my fellow uh, West Coasters who uh, who went to schools on the West Coast Conference, particularly USF, the Dons, and uh, and Santa Clara, the uh, the Broncos. Shout out to you, Omar. But look, St. Mary's is uh, a more potent team than people think, and this is going to be another one of those trendy five twelve picks um, that uh, that you take VCU. And look, VCU looked great uh, in, in their conference tournament. They they just were absolutely st- like st- staunch on defense. Didn't let anything up. Uh, could run you off the three point line and then score on the inside and and uh, hit the three. But I think St. Mary's with uh, with Logan Johnson, another Australian, uh, Alex Dukas at the three, uh, and and they're really big inside on the four and five with Kyle Bowen. And, and, my, and Mitchell Saxon, they've got some good rotation. They're really, really big. They can rebound the ball really effectively. They're in the top 10 in offensive efficiency. Give me the gales to roll on. All right. Uh, up next, we got UConn and Iona, the fighting Rick Patinos uh, from Iona. The soon to be St. John's head coach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going up against, uh, was it Dan Hurley? Is that the one who's at UConn still? Uh, yes. Yeah, head coach there at UConn. Uh, UConn put together a good season. Um but came up short in the Big East tournament. They're a team that I think people are going to sleep on because they did not play well in their conference tournament. I think UConn has a chance here to sneakily find their way to the Elite Eight. So uh, I like UConn. I'm going to take UConn here to, to beat Rick Patino and Iona. Yeah, another trendy pick to move deep into the tournament. And for good reason, UConn can shoot the ball really well in their top 10 in defensive efficiency as well. I will take the Huskies. All right, taking UConn. Uh, up next, TCU versus the winner of Arizona State in Nevada. Uh, we don't know who's going to win that game yet, but I'll tell you right now, I'm rolling with TCU. I love this TCU team. It doesn't matter who they're playing in that first matchup. TCU is, I think, the most slept-on team in this tournament. And, of course, as more and more people have figured out, uh, more and more people are liking this TCU team. But they play incredibly good defense. They've beaten Every big team in the Big 12 that they needed to this year. Uh, they've had a couple of small letups, but again, that conference is so hard. Like you can be a six seed in the tournament and still be like one of the top 15 teams in the country. And that's basically yeah. what TCU is, I think. Um, so I'm rolling with the Horn Frogs. Big year for TCU, and they're going to advance further than just this round. 28th in the country. Uh, I think Arizona State wins this game tonight. So that that would be their likely opponent, them in Nevada. 
Um, but either way, I think TCU rolls on. They're they're such a good team, battle tested in the Big Twelve, of course. But um, but they're they're they struggle shooting. That's my one. That's my one trepidation with them. They struggle shooting. They're gonna they're gonna get you on defense though, and I think to that point, the, their defense is gonna keep them in enough games, especially in the first and second round, to to keep them afloat. So I'm going to take TCU as well. All right. Rolling with the Horn Frogs. Uh, up next, we have Gonzaga and Grand Canyon making their second appearance in the tournament. Uh, the Lopes. With, the Antelopes. Rolling with the Zags the here. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think there's a whole much to debate. I, I like Gonzaga here and uh, and Mark Few setting up an awesome, awesome second-round game against TCU. Yeah, me too. Gonzaga rolls on. They're, they're a really good team, really balanced, and I'll talk about them more as we roll on the bracket. All right. Uh, Northwestern against Boise State. Northwestern still looking for that uh, first ever win in the tournament. Uh, and again, they've actually they've had a good year in a very competitive Big Ten. I like Northwestern. I'm I, mainly just because I love Pat Fitzgerald. And um, I know that's football, but still I that's uh, football. Yep. Wrong um, sport. But I still want to see the uh, the purple and silver and all of the sports journalists and media people lose their minds when uh, Northwestern finally wins a, a, uh, a tournament game. So rolling with Northwestern here. Yeah. You're really just talking about Wilbon and green, aren't you? Um, really? Uh, look, and Darren Northwestern and Ravel. Yeah. Uh, Northwestern had an unprecedented year. Boo Booey. Who's their, their point leading them at that. He came back for a fourth year. Ty Berry came back. Robbie Perrin came back. This team is experienced. They really are. And they played in one of the toughest conferences in the NC two a Boise State can make some noise. I mean, they can score, they can rebound, but Northwestern, I think, is a really good team. And uh, it, it, look, they lost. I think four of of Northwestern's losses this year came off of like one possession games. I don't think this is a one possession game, and I think Northwestern rolls. All right, up next, UCLA, and uh, who are they playing? I don't. Know, it doesn't matter. I'm taking UNCA, but <laughs> I'm taking UCLA. Who is UNCA? UNC Asheville. Oh, that's UNC Asheville. There you go. All right. Uh, yeah, UCLA going with the Bruins. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's easy. Again, a big injury, but uh, I think their their depth and talent and uh, and Mick Cronin, who's ready to fight everybody at every turn, is ready to go uh, for this tournament and make a deep run. Especially look at this bracket that Mick Cronin is in. I think this is the most winnable bracket if you're a one a top three seed. Uh, so UCLA rolls on. Or maybe even a top six seed. All right, uh, moving up to Ooh, hey <laughs> round of thirty-two. Going back to the south, I have Alabama, West Virginia. Uh, Alabama rolls. They move on. Yeah, no doubt. I like. I have Alabama, Maryland, but either way, whatever team comes out of that, whether it's West Virginia or Maryland, is going to be physically tired, beat up, and then have to face the best team in the country that has two of everything, um, and, and is not superb on defense uh but can really shoot the lights out of the ball and uh so i'm going to take the crimson tide to roll all right uh up next i have san diego state and Furman. uh i'm gonna take the cinderella here i i know a lot of people say it but just look Furman can can pour it in from deep they can shoot it and it, it's one of those things where when you look at the cinderellas they typically get to the uh sweet 16 
before they cool off, right? That first weekend, if they come out hot, they typically will stay hot for those first two games. I think they continue to do that. I also think San Diego State's been a very up and down team. I think it's a very winnable game. I'm rolling with Furman to be the 13 seed and getting into the Sweet 16. I have the Cougs uh, of Charles uh, College of Charleston taking on UVA. Um, and look, I think for as much as I love College of Charleston, you know what? Give me them. Screw it. Tony Bennett's defense is can only go so far in some of these tournaments. Uh, it won them a championship because of the way the bracket broke last year, but College of Charleston's got, I mean, look, the elite defense, and they can shoot the lights out of the ball. Give me the Cougs from nah, College fuck, of Charleston to move fuck, on against Fuck the UVA. CAA. Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that would be the ultimate Cinderella story, which would be really uh, fun to see. Uh, all right, I have Baylor and NC State. Not overthinking this one. NC State gets by Creighton in the first round. They take on a much better team in Baylor, much better coach team in Baylor, more talent across the board, experienced team. I'm rolling with Baylor, the three seed moving on to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I got Creighton, Baylor. Um, look, I just think Creighton's better on offense. Baylor, for for as as well coached as they are and, and as, as, as good as they've been in a really tough conference in the Big 12, I just think Creighton is undervalued at a six seed. Uh, got a got a good break here, taking a uh, a young, undervalued Baylor team. But I think Creighton can can really shoot and has the experience at both on the floor and uh, and at head coach with Greg McDermott. I think Creighton rolls on. All right, and then I have Arizona and Missouri. Uh, look, Missouri's just so bad defensively. Yeah, they can put up a lot of points, but Arizona is much better, particularly on the interior. They'll rebound. They'll play better defense. I think Arizona moves on to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, I got Arizona and uh, and Utah State who uh, who pulled the upset against Missouri, but I think Arizona's got. <laughs> if there's one team uh, that Arizona doesn't want to play in in the second round, uh, if they're trying to pick between Missouri and Utah State, I think it's Utah State uh, because Utah State has the length and they can shoot. But uh, I think Arizona's just too good at that inside out game with their two, uh, their four and their five. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Arizona and move on. All right, going to the East bracket now. I have Purdue and Memphis. And uh, and look, again, Memphis, I think, has been on a really good run. I think they're going to come out, play well, beat FAU. Uh, but then they're going to go up against a really good Purdue team. I think the, the exhaustion uh, and then going up, they have no answer for Zach Eady, uh, who I think will torch them on the inside. So I'm taking Purdue to get to the Sweet 16. This one's tough for me. Um, I have a bracket where... I have uh, Florida Atlantic uh, beating Purdue um, because I think they're the only team, maybe Duke, um, possibly Marquette. I think Florida Atlantic is the only team uh, in this bracket that has the, if Edie's on the floor and not in foul trouble and healthy, I think Florida Atlantic is one of the only teams that has the, the length to defend him effectively. Uh, and and so for that reason, I had Florida Atlantic moving on in brackets, but I just think he's so much. Zach E.D. is so much of that offense, and, yeah. and it's not it's not just on on in scoring. He he was the top scorer in the Big Ten, Big Ten Player of the Year, uh, but he's so good at shooting free throws, like things that little things that we we take for granted in March Madness. Uh, he's so good at shooting free throws. He's so good at. Um, avoiding contact and scoring, um, getting fouled. He's so good at rebounding and then creating offense out there. Um, uh, 
off offensive rebounds. I, I just think it's too much for, for even as good as a team as Florida Atlantic is. And I think that Purdue moves on. All right. Up next, I have Duke in Tennessee. Uh, and I mm. think, ten, I think, I think Tennessee's injury luck, uh, will catch up to them here. I think Duke finds a way to move on. I actually really like what John Shire's done. This team, I mean, yes, they won the ACC, but I felt like anybody could have won the ACC. So I'm not going to hold the conference the whole thing that I've said about Memphis against them. It really felt like it was anyone's tournament to win. And Duke stepped up. The bigger thing is John Shire has this team playing the right, you know, at the, the best that they played all year at the correct time. So I'm taking the blue devils. Yeah, and they got 14 feet together at the four and five spots. That's going to be tough to get into. Good thing Tennessee's a really good uh, shooting team, and Rick Barnes uh, has some really good experience in the tournament. Not Well, he has experience. It just hasn't been that good. <laughs> yeah, and this is where it turns around because he's going to beat the Duke team uh, that everybody's picking to make a big run here uh, as an underdog as a five-seed Duke. I mean, please get out of here. Uh, go Vols, Rocky Top. You'll always be home sweet home to me. Tennessee rolls on into the Sweet 16. All right. Up next, I have Providence and Kansas State. Uh, look, I think Providence gets by a Kentucky team. I'm kind of regretting that pick. I kind of want to take Kentucky after they got bounced so early last mm. year against St. Peter's, but I already punched it in, so it's there. Uh, I like Kansas State. Basically, my mentality here for the tournament this year is bet on Big 12 teams because I think the Big 12 is just that much better than any other conference in basketball. So I'm going to roll with uh, Kansas State, and we're going to send them to the Sweet 16. I say bet on SEC teams. That conference is undervalued. Kentucky, I said in that 6-11 game, the winner of that game goes to the Sweet 16. I'm sticking to my guns. Kentucky gets in. All right, and that leaves us with uh, USC and Marquette for me. Uh, I really, really like Marquette. I like what Shaka Smart has done. Um, They feel to me like the clear-cut best team out of the Big East. And the Big East was still pretty competitive this year, and I still think they were about a half step of, above everybody. I love this Marquette team. I think they punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. Yeah, me too. Big can score and, and really play defense really effectively. Top 20 in uh, in both offensive and defensive efficiency. That's that's rare to find uh, in in the NC2A. And and some of the, I'm, honestly most most of the elite teams in this tournament. Uh, we're talking about the Alabamas, the uh, the Houston's of the world, uh, are are in that category. So give me Marquette and the Golden Eagles to roll on. All right. Uh, moving to the Midwest bracket. Uh, one seed Houston going up against Auburn. I like the Cougs here, man. Again, I know this is this matchup's going to be in Birmingham. Hometown crowd there for Auburn. Um, but I, I like what this Houston Cougars team is doing. So I'm rolling with Houston here. I think Houston punches their ticket to the Sweet 16 uh, back-to-back years. Yeah, they got, got hit in the mouth a little bit there in the conference tournament championship this all year long we've seen how good houston team are on the glass and and those are the again the things that matter kelvin sampson who's been around for a thousand years has uh is still coaching this team up and, and those are the things that matter when it comes down to to games like this i have them against iowa iowa can score with the best of them but uh but this defense for houston is too tough uh and, and iowa's makes their money on 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 threes and and i think houston is a good enough team to run them off the line i'm going to take the cougars as well all right scotty's on the cougs up next i have drake and indiana and i'm telling you i really like this indiana team i think they find a way uh drake i think is going to be a fun story but i think indiana punches their ticket they get to the sweet 16 uh, and and living a little bit of Hoosiers out for us. 
Yeah, I'm back and forth on this one. Uh, look, I said in, in the first round, Indiana's had trouble validating their wins. They've gone back and forth with wins and losses. And this is not just, you know, a recent trend. This is all season long. Um, but they find themselves on the four line and they get through a tough Kent State team. I think they're they're more than capable of beating a Miami team who look can run the floor with the best of them. Let's be honest. I mean, Miami's a really good basketball team. Larry Negus, uh, a really good coach, but I think Indiana uh, has has the talent and the experience in the tournament. Um, despite Miami's run last year, I think Indiana's uh, a, a really good candidate to to make a deep run. But we'll see here. I got them moving on at least in this game against Miami. All right. I have uh, next up Iowa State versus Kennesaw State. Uh, again, I want to I want to keep rolling with my uh, my Big Twelve teams. The experience guard stuff from Kennesaw State is big, but coming off of a big win against Xavier, Xavier Iowa State Iowa will State not will be not. Uh, flummoxed whatsoever against this Iowa State team or against this Kennesaw State team. So I'm rolling with the Cyclones getting back to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, no, Xavier is just too strong, too good at uh, too good at shooting, too good at. Uh, on defense really big on the, on the four or five block with Jerome Hunter and Jack Nudge. Uh, I, I really think their, their experience uh, like Sean Miller's, as you said, has had his, uh, his moments in the tournament where, uh, where he doesn't show up. But I think this Xavier team uh, can, can roll past an Iowa state team that has its ineptitudes on defense. So give me Xavier. All right. Uh, some breaking news in the NFL real quick. Miles Sanders signing a deal with the Carolina Panthers. Oh wow, their lead weird. back. There you go. I didn't know uh, that's a luck, weird Bobby. fit. I don't know. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, hey, he's gonna probably get paid a good amount. So I haven't seen the contract yet, but hey, good for Booby. We love you. Uh all right. Up next, last speaking of Penn Staters. <laughs> yeah, last matchup here. Uh Texas versus Penn State. Penn State's run ends here. Texas uh, I think crushes them in this game and uh and Texas moves on to the sweet sixteen. It uh, it kills me. It does. Uh, this Penn State team has been so fun to watch all year long, uh, especially the the last end of the season here, where we were a bubble team, first four uh, out, and then uh, last four in, and then and then definitively stamping our ticket after a uh, a run that got us to the conference championship game. But Texas is is too good, yeah, uh, of a team. I, I really do. I love Penn State. It's been a, a hell of a year. Micah Shrewsbury's done an amazing job recruiting. And uh, I think he'll continue to do that. Jalen Pickett, watch out for him in the NBA, uh, whatever team he ends up on it, you're going to benefit greatly. Um, I think, you know, we, we continue to get better and better each year. I don't think anybody at us uh, at the beginning of the year at this point. So it's uh, good of a uh, run as it was for the, for the Penn State. Hey, look, if you guys pull out a win, here. if you pull out a win, that's, I mean, that's awesome. Right. If you get a win, oh, in that the would be huge. That's huge. Yeah. So yeah, I think at that point most Penn State fans would take that. All yeah, right, and we're then, just happy to be here, right? Yeah. At this point, <laughs> uh, and then we go to our last bracket, our last region here, the West bracket. Uh, I have Kansas going up against Arkansas, and uh, look, ultimately, I, I think the Bill Self stuff matters. I think trying to repeat, there's extra pressure on this Kansas team. I know they have the experience, I know they have the guards, but without the head coach, I do think that's going to be a problem. So I'm rolling with the must bus. I love Arkansas. I rode them and Iowa State last year, and they did very well for me. Uh, and I think we're going to see that continue. So I'm rolling with the Razorbacks this year, uh, once again, getting to the Sweet 16. Jeff, you know what? What's that? I'm with you. Hell I'm yeah. riding the must bus because, 
I said if if Kansas gets to this game and they have to play Arkansas, that is a a nightmare of a matchup, especially with the injuries that Kansas has, not only to their head coach but uh, on the floor as well. I think Arkansas has the the coaching the, and the experience to get past that, uh, and I think we see our first number one seed fall right here, uh, the defending champions in the in the in the second round. That's hard to do to beat a one seed in the second round. It's rare. Uh, but I think it happens. Arkansas it happens every to, couple of years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think Arkansas has it. the capability for it. Uh, all right. I have VCU and UConn. Uh, I'm rolling with the Huskies. Uh, I've been impressed with Danny Hurley this year. Again, very disappointing finish in the Big East. They are one of those trendy picks to try to maybe even make an elite eight. But uh, I like UConn. I think VCU really good story this year uh, and getting a chance to hopefully redeem themselves after missing out uh, before. But yeah, I'm taking UConn. Yeah, I uh, UConn St. Mary's again. St. Mary's great story. They've done a lot this year. Really good, good team uh, that Randy Bennett keeps putting out there on the floor for for the for the Gales out of the WCC. But uh, UConn is just so freaking good. Yeah, I mean they they are big. They are strong. They shoot well. I, there, there's nothing about their game to not to like. So I'm going UConn. All right. Uh, up next, TCU Gonzaga, which would be one of the best second round games in recent history. I should say. Uh, uh, and I love the Horn Frogs. I, I'm I this Gonzaga team. They've been a little under the radar compared to Gonzaga teams in the past. There is no Chet Holmgren. There is no Jalen Suggs on this team. Uh, but this TCU team is really good. I've talked about that all year, um, or you know, since we've been talking about this. But I've been following. Uh, you know, the run that they had. And, and I think they're just going to be really hard to get out. I think defensively Gonzaga is going to uh, struggle to be able to score on this TCU team because they are so good defensively and they play so freaking hard. So I'm rolling with the Horn Frogs. They're like, they're my trendy pick. So uh, I mean, I mean, I guess they're a little trendy, but I love the CCU team. So I'm taking TCU. Yeah. Gonzaga top 10 or top five in, in defense, uh, top five in defensive efficiency, top three in, in shooting. This team is more dangerous than people think as a three seed. Uh, I think they're going to make more of a run uh, than they have in, uh, or they they have the potential to make more of a run than they have uh, when they've been uh, one of the one seeds in the tournament over the past few years. I like Gonzaga in this one. All right. And then that brings us to the last second round matchup we have. I have Northwestern and UCLA. Uh, the run stops for Northwestern after this. The Bruins advance to the Sweet 16. Agreed. Yep. UCLA moves on. All Too right. good of a team. Let's hit the Sweet 16 now. For me, I have Alabama and Furman. Uh, Bama rolls through them. It's going to be one of the easiest trips to the Elite Eight that we have seen. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to take uh, Alabama uh, to roll on there. Yeah, who do I have? Alabama and uh, Charleston. Yeah, yeah same, yeah. same deal. Same, same deal. Same deal. Alabama rolls. Different font. <laughs> Love the Cougs, but uh, but uh, <laughs> the end, the run ends there. <laughs> yeah, same name, different font. All right, uh, and then I have Baylor and Arizona. I think this will be a really, really fun game, uh, and I'm gonna roll with Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears here. I, I know Arizona's tough on the inside. They have a bunch of size, but these Baylor teams, man, they just fight you on the perimeter. They can shoot threes really well, uh, and I think they're going to be able to, a little too up-tempo, a little too faster pace. Plus, Arizona just has not played uh, the strength of schedule that Baylor has, and, and I think Baylor finds its way to the Elite Eight. Or Sweet 16. What am I saying here? Yeah. yeah. Elite Eight. Well, the problem, Elite Eight. Yeah. Excuse me, I have Creighton and Arizona in this game. Creighton can shoot the lights out of the ball, but I think this is where the uh, 
where the experience for Arizona comes in. And, uh, you know, again, not a great defensive team, so it's going to be hard to 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 guard them, especially on the perimeter uh, for Creighton. But uh, I think Arizona squeaks by in this one just as uh as as a matter of they're they're just bigger right yeah the, the creighton doesn't have the uh the interior defense to stop that yeah uh all right then we move to the east i have purdue and duke and the dukies make it back to the elite eight i i think mm. some of the experience coming back after their run last year uh in addition to i think john shire like i said i just think they have this team he has this team playing uh, their best basketball right now. And Purdue is just destined to kind of choke away some of these games. And uh, I love the starting five for Duke and I love John Shire. And I think Duke uh, makes a little bit of a run to kind of kick off the, um, you know, the John Shire era there in uh, I'm blanking on in North Carolina. I'm, what is the fucking town that Duke is in Durham? Durham. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you? I got Purdue, Tennessee. Uh, one of the, the things that makes a good story in March Madness is the galvanization of a team that's been down and out, mm. uh, has some injuries, needs some 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 help, some magic to get through the tournament. It usually comes from one of the top five or six seeds. Tennessee is the four, but they don't have the the size and strength to match up with Zach Eady. Purdue moves on to the Elite Eight. All right. Interesting. Uh, all right. And then I have Kansas State and Marquette. In the bottom one, and I said it before, I'll continue to say it. I love this Marquette team. Uh, I love Shaka Smart. I love how locked in they felt during the Big East tournament. I think they're head and shoulders better than the next best team in the Big East. So I'm taking Marquette here to advance to the um, to the uh, Elite Eight. Sorry, yeah, yeah, really not talked about either. Uh, Shaka Smart has been successful wherever he goes, Uh, but here he is again in, in. in his hometown almost with uh with the marquette golden eagles uh coaching up a team it back to the top 20 of of defensive efficiency back in the top 10 of offensive and they're just so strong i think it's marquette uh against kentucky in in my matchup and i think this is where the run ends for kentucky and marquette keeps moving on all right and then we go to the midwest i have houston and indiana and we see another one seed fall. I love Indiana. Oh. I, I love the Hoosiers. I think they find their way to the final four. I really do. Um, and, and I'm rolling with uh, Mike Woodson and everything he's got cooking on there in Indiana. So uh, give me the who's. Yeah, not enough. I, I just think that Houston is so strong uh, and so experienced on both yeah. sides of the ball uh, that Houston moves on in this one is as good as Indiana is. I wouldn't be shocked. If this game was super close. Uh, you know, I'm talking like, 77 74 uh one possession game so uh i but i do think houston moves on all right and then i have iowa state in texas two big 12 teams here in the sweet 16 but texas moves on i'm a big fan of longhorns i love this team i love their story uh, i have them winning it all in the first bracket i made i might end up changing that by uh, by the time tomorrow tips off but i really like this texas team uh and uh, i think they continue to move on I do too, and the story is great. They play uh, Xavier in my bracket, and and either way, I think they're just too tough, uh, too good of a team, too well coached, and the story is too great to not keep them advancing. All right, and then that brings us to the West. I have Arkansas and UConn, and uh, UConn's comeback tour continues here. Uh, I like them getting to the Elite Eight. I think, honestly, just the way Danny Hurley coaches, he's so – intense all the time and the fact that they disappointed as as much as they did 
uh, in the Big East tournament, I think will fuel them, fuel them to a run here to uh, to get to the Elite Eight. So I'm taking the Huskies over the Must Bus and Arkansas. I'm with you. Great story this year. Arkansas upsets the one uh, for for as difficult as the year that that they've had. But UConn is too. It's it's you're finding themes here when we get to the Elite Eight, right? Like who's strong, who can rebound better, who can shoot the ball better, who can running off the three point line, who's got the experience. And and Arkansas has all of that, but so does UConn. Yeah, I think UConn's just a little better. Uh, and then I have in the bottom bracket, I have TCU and UCLA. And this is where the injuries catch up to UCLA. I, I think if this, you know, if if they don't have the season ending injury, if, if they're still cooking around there, I, I think I would take UCLA here to be a final four team. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they have Hami Haquez. You know, he's still there, you know, playing for them. But he's still it's just like his 10th year. Yeah, it's college, crazy. That, like. that COVID year, man. Uh, but I love the Horn Frogs. I'm taking TCU to get to the Elite Eight. I'm with you on on the upset part. I have Gonzaga, UCLA in this one. Gonzaga is just too strong on defense. Uh, and again, they shoot the three-point uh, just about as, as well as anybody else. Really underrated scoring team. Gonzaga exercises their demons from the, uh, from the what, the 2006 game against UCLA when, mm. when Adam Morrison was last seen on an, an NC2A court. Uh, and I think Gonzaga wins this one. I like the story there. That's a good one. Uh, and then that brings us to the Elite Eight. So I have Alabama and Baylor. And I, I'm picking, I'm t- taking the, the tide, man. I mean, Alabama, they're just so good. Um, the one case you can make for Baylor in this game, or honestly, whoever comes out of the south side of that bracket, is uh, they're going to be a little more tested than Alabama. But Alabama's been tested all year because the SEC's been really good. So uh, I like Alabama. They go to the Final Four. Yep. I got Alabama, Arizona. This is a classic Arizona choke job. Not enough experience. Uh, on the inside because like Alabama has two of everything. Like I said, they've got more depth than, than anyone else in the country. Um, Arizona for as good as their, their game is, does not match up well with even this, this Alabama team. That's a little bit porous on defense. And, and I think Alabama gets into the final four. All right. And then I have Duke and Marquette out of the East and Shaka smart back to the final four for the first oh. time since he was at VCU. Uh, I love, like I said, I love this uh, Marquette team. And for Duke team, like, look, they they win the ACC. They go on a really good run and get to the Elite Eight. But eventually, this is that sign where it's like, hey, we're not quite there with John Shire yet, but there's some hope it's going to help with recruiting. Uh, but I think Marquette's just the better all-around team. And I think Shaka Smart is a man on a mission right now. So I'm I'm rolling with Marquette. That backcourt's really good. I, I, I love Marquette. I love that. And they can score, and that's going to be a problem against a Purdue team that is not very good on the three-point line, especially – uh, or, or even despite the fact that they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Look, to me, Purdue has always come down, and I said this all year, and I said it in the conference championship game. And you saw it in the, in the Big Ten conference championship game when Zach Eady was not on the floor. Penn State was super efficient, super well, uh, super good at scoring uh, because they could do different things. It's not like, hey, let's try to, to get a one-on-one matchup on the perimeter and drive the ball and try to beat Zach Eady with a guard. Um, it, it was it was a different game when he wasn't on the floor. So pending injury, pending foul trouble, which I don't think if anyone can get Zach Eady in foul trouble, it might be Marquette. Uh, but I, I think Purdue with Zach Eady on the floor is just too dominant this year. Uh, and, and I think that they're going to uh, eke out a close game against Marquette. In the elite uh, they're not. They're the not getting those. Four. They're not getting those Big Ten refs there, Scotty. That's true. Well, yeah, 
All right. Uh, let's Don't move get up. me started. Oh, please. <laughs> let's go to the Midwest. And we here. came back down from down 17. I mean, please. Uh, I got Indiana and Texas in my lead eight here and uh, the who's have an awesome run, but it comes up short. I love this Texas team. Uh, they're gritty on defense They're I think they've been the best team all year. Uh, and I think they're moving in this tournament. I think they're going to make a really legitimate run. They're going to find their way to the final four. Win their first uh, game beyond the sweet 16 for the first time since 2008, but uh, not enough against a really stout Houston Cougars team. Who's on a goddamn mission to get to their hometown for a home game in the final four. And that's where they will be. The I do Cougars hope. Role. I do hope we see Texas Houston just because I think those two playing for a chance to play in Houston in the final four would be fucking awesome. So I uh, totally agree with you there. I think Houston could very easily do it. I'm just, uh, I'm, I, I like, I like the who's uh, all right. And then the last one here, I have UConn and TCU and the big 12 gets its second team in the final four. I love the Horn Frogs. They're going to be that Cinderella team, six seed all the way up to the final four. We haven't seen a six seed make it that far in a while, uh, and uh, I like the Horn Frogs. So I think they beat UConn. I think they're tougher defensively. I think UConn runs into a wall there, and uh, the Horn Frogs punch their ticket to the final four. Nope, UConn is too tough, too strong. They run into a Gonzaga team that, for for all their their strengths on defense and and shooting the ball, uh, UConn is is just. And it's it's what we said in the last game against Arkansas, just a little bit better uh, in, in all of the same aspects of the game that uh, that the team they're playing against is. Uh, UConn moves on to the Final Four. All right, and then that leaves us with our Final Four for me. I have Alabama, Marquette, Texas, and TCU. And I don't love it, but I just I, as for as much as I love Shaka Smart and this team, I think Alabama just has that dude, man. I know Brandon Miller. There's a ton of stuff around him right now, but he is. Really, really, I mean, he's going to be like the third overall pick in the draft after uh, Wimbanyana and Scooty. So uh, I'm taking Alabama here. They're going to get their way to the national championship. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm with you. They're they're just too deep and they're too good at everything. Um, and look, Zach Eadie's great, but again, uh, if they had if they get here, uh, their offense is completely centered around him, right? You can eliminate him, and, and like we saw it when he was off the floor. Like I said, when Zachy was not on the floor, Purdue struggled to score the ball. Purdue struggled to move the ball. Purdue struggled on defense. Purdue struggled on rebounding. When he's on the floor, he's great. But Alabama has the depth and the length and the strength to beat them, uh, regardless yeah. of whether or not he's on the floor. So Alabama makes it to the natty. Yeah, Zach Eady's not stopping Brandon Miller. Uh, and then on the other side, I have Texas and TCU, a Big 12 matchup in the Final Four, and I'm rolling with the Longhorns. I love Texas. I love the story. It pains me to pull for Texas, and it's weird. I've gone through the bracket a few times, and it seems like this is the national championship. I keep coming back to Alabama and Texas, uh, going back to that Colt, Colt McCoy. Was that? No, it wasn't McElroy. It was A.J. McCarron, Colt McCoy, whatever that national championship was. Uh, so yeah, I like Texas here. Go with going with the long horns, horns up, which is something I don't typically say, but yeah, hook them. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Like, so I have Houston and UConn. Um, and I really think UConn, it, if they get this far, can dig into the, the nobody believed in us. And then we went 14 and 0 and rose to the number two team in the country, uh, type of vibe. They had a two and six stretch and I, I during during the the course of the year, and I think that is is really going to plague them. This game to me is razor thin between Houston and UConn if they both get this far. 
but I think Houston's defense prevails. Uh, the strength of, of UConn is their ability to shoot the three and Houston's defense can run them off the three point line. Houston wins a really, really tight ball game, probably one possession and they move to the uh, natty against Alabama. All right. And then that brings us to my national championship. Number one, overall seed Alabama against Texas, the two seed out of the Midwest region. The and Steve Sarkeesian bowl. <laughs> I'm doing it, man. Hook them, baby. I'm sticking <laughs> wow. with Texas. I'm sticking with Texas. I think you know, look, Alabama's been got a few times this year, and they've been got by teams that have really strong defensive guard play, guys who can challenge Brandon Miller, force the other guys on that team to beat you, and Texas can play physically. I really like this Texas team. If you can win and, and, and do well in the 12, and you can against any team in the country this year, and I love this Texas team. I'm taking them. Hook them, baby. Hook them. Texas is back. I would love for that. If we lost to Texas in the second round, I'm, a, I'm hoping we get to the second round. If we lose Penn state loses to Texas in the second round that they end up winning. I, I would be all for that. Uh, unfortunately, Houston's going to get to the national championship against Alabama and um, I, Alabama's going to win. I think if there's one team that yeah. matches up super well uh, with, with Alabama's length and strength, that's Houston because uh, <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a brawl. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Uh, but I think Alabama prevails. I think it's going to be high scoring. And I think it's going to be uh, a tight one against uh, against Houston. But Alabama rolls chalk. Roll Tide are your national champions. All right, there you have it. Vito has his picks in as well. We'll, we'll uh, talk about more of that after this weekend. But Ladies and gents, it is here. The time is here. Get ready. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to quote Mark Packer. Get it all over you because it is going to be a good time. Uh, thank you so much to Scotty and Vito for hopping on as always. And uh, enjoy it. It's going to be a fun couple of days. We are. And, uh, <laughs> Penn State. We'll see how it turns out. Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy all the madness. Good luck with your bets. Have fun. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week to recap the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. And as always, take it easy, everybody.